Well, oh, that was the foxhole. <laughs> that was the foxhole one. Uh, hello to everybody out there. Good afternoon. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. I'm Tom Medlin, W5KUB, and we are at June the 8th. Man, can't believe it. Must go by so fast. Had a pretty good net, net tonight. All the band conditions weren't really good, but we had uh, a number of people check in. We have a 40-meter net every Tuesday at 5.30, so uh, please join us. If you hadn't joined our Facebook group, please uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, it's just called W5KUB. That'll get you in there. The actual name of the group is Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's too long to type, so just put uh, W5KUB in. You can join 12,000 other hams that are already in that group. If you haven't done it yet, if you haven't done it yet, I would like for you to click the subscribe button so on YouTube there, please click the subscribe button. That helps our show's uh, ratings, and it helps us to uh, uh, get our video out to more people, and it will bring more people in during the show. We, we get about 25% of the people that come into the show every Tuesday night uh, come in because they were looking at YouTube and uh, something similar, and YouTube recommended our show for them, and they clicked on it, and they came over. So... Please hit the subscribe button there, and hit the like button if you like the show. Um, let's see. Um, we're going to have a good show for you tonight. We've got uh, a lot of things going on here. And, uh, hey, tonight we've got the results of the tree as an antenna. We're going to talk a little about that. And uh, I've got some video on that and some uh, some pictures that we've made. Joe's with us. He's going to talk about some kits. Um, uh, Alan's here. He found some. He found some new. Uh, some I don't know what you call it. Some new treasures. I think at a ham fest, and he's uh, he'll show us tonight what he what, what he found. A bunch cool. of stuff. We got we got Bill with us tonight. We got Glenn with us tonight. Uh, we're gonna have a good time. Uh, as you may know, we've changed the format of the show a little bit. Uh, we try to end the show by about nine fifteen. Uh, uh, some people were complaining that our show was too long. I, I don't know why, but uh, they complained it was too long. So we're, we're kind of cutting it off about 9.15. Uh, but then it don't go away because the show does continue. Part two continues. We call it The Gathering. It's the show after the show. And we will give you a, uh, <clears throat> a Zoom link where you can join us on Zoom. Maybe we'll have 25, 30, 50 people. Uh, on Zoom here, and you will be on the show, by the way. So uh, we'll put that link, that Zoom link, in the uh, uh, in the chat room a little later, and 
we hope you uh, you join us there. Oh, uh, let's see. I think it's oh, uh, if you're out there listening, you know our show is also um, rebroadcast on international shortwave station WBCQ on 7490 kilohertz. So we're on every Thursday between four and six o'clock p.m. Eastern time, and that is a, an audio repeat of the show we're having tonight. If you found us on shortwave, you can join us on Tuesday nights just by going to youtube.com slash W5KUB. But if you're out there listening tonight, send us an email. Let us know where in the world you are. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, that email address would be tom at W5KUB.com. <clears throat> Let's jump around the room real quick and see who's in here. Wake them all up. So it looks like a couple of them might be sleeping, so... Look them all. Looks like uh, looks like Alan's here first. Hey, Alan, how you doing? Yep, caught you. Oh, oh, hey, yeah, caught here. you. <laughs> how you doing, everybody? Good to see you all. And uh, should have an interesting show tonight. And uh, boy, a hot one here in New Jersey today. Had uh, the the nineties in the nineties in temperature and nineties in humidity, and then had the typical East Coast uh, thunderstorms roll through and set my dog a running. But uh, anyway, we're uh, we're doing okay now. And uh, yeah, I thought uh, if we've got some time, I'd talk about uh, a treasure that I picked up at uh, at the Hamfest this weekend, and uh, what I did to refurbish it and bring it back to life, and why you guys should have one in your shack as well. All right, looking forward to it. All right, who's next in the lineup out there? Uh, let's see. Let's go to Glenn. Hey, Glenn. He went to a Hamfest. I knew. Without me. I knew. I, I, I can't read That's your shirt. Fair. I can't read your shirt. I knew something was wrong. <laughs> I knew. But I did it anyway. I knew it was wrong. I did it on purpose. Oh, I did it on purpose. Okay, man. All right. <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, hey, you know, hey, I don't know what the temperature is in Mississippi. It's been hot up here. It was hot, and the air conditioning was out in the office all of last week, and they just got it fixed this afternoon. Well, <clears throat> so we, I don't we know about roasting. that. Hey, it's going to be, I think, Friday. Uh, it's going to be 101 here. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I hope your air no. conditioner works here, man. Hope no, mine's works. working, but not in the office. They finally fixed it. But uh, Well, you'd you know, think somebody like a big company like that would, would be able to get it fixed, but... Yeah. Well, you know, you know the priorities are, you know, they got to get the packages out first. They don't care if the IT people die or not. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right, let's see. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Katie, are you there, Katie? We're here. There they are. There's Katie and Dwayne there. Okay. Hey, hey guys. Hey guys. Man. Hi. Good. Good We're to see you. you. Yeah, good to be here. We were. Uh, we had to go fetch. WI seven MOM from the airport and got home and we're eating a quick bite and all of a sudden I said, Oh my god, it's Tuesday. I was <laughs> gonna say I was gonna say you were almost late tonight and I was I gonna I was gonna put a check mark by your name, but <laughs> you came in just it's okay. He's you by the, under the wire. And and no, Alan doesn't despair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Alan doesn't have the market cornered on high temperatures. It was 100 here today. Yeah. Oh, Three man. digits. Yeah, two a, weeks ago, it was 37. Yeah. It's that's crazy. a dry heat, though, isn't it? Yeah, but tell it's the still 100 degrees. Yeah, tell, the, tell the turkey in the oven it's a dry heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. All right. All right. Very good. Good to see you, Dwayne and Katie. And uh, thanks for uh, being here with us tonight. Let's see. Here's somebody who hadn't been with us a while. He's been hiding. Joe, come on in, Joe. Hey, Joe. <laughs> well, hi there, Tom. Yeah, I've been in and out and all sorts of things and building lots of kits. And I have to give Katie and Dwayne a hard time. I looked at my uh, worked all states list for six meters, and one of the ones I am missing is Wyoming. So we're going to have to make a skid sometime. I'll bet even when the band isn't up much between your antennas and mine, maybe we can get something on FT8. So we'll yeah, have to see. Now, oh, man, that's cheating. FT8 or MSK144 would work for us pretty good. Yep. Yeah, yeah we can try it either way. And uh, so well, Not we'll right now. It's. Yeah, like right crazy. now, and, and I need to tell Tom this, uh, our wireless or our internet is provided to us wirelessly, and we're in the midst of a big thunderstorm. So if we disappear, um, that's why. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll note that as an excuse. Okay, thank you. All right, I'll, I'll <laughs> note that as an excuse here. All right. Well, Joe, uh, hey, man, we're looking forward to some new kits tonight, and even non-kits. Right. Okay. All right, hey, Katie, Dwayne, great. Let's see, do we have anybody do we have anybody else? Bill. We, we, is this everybody? Bill. Oh, Bill, 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 Bill's here. Bill. He, Bill is so quiet all, he's kinda in the dark and he's quiet all the time, man. <laughs> hey Bill. Come How on. you doing, Al? Um we had a thunderstorm here, cooled things down a little bit, but I've been up in Ohio for two weeks where it was nice and cool. And I came back to uh, a sauna bath, so it's uh, a little different. But uh, I'm back in Alabama. So, uh, not a whole lot going on. We're just uh, just dusting off some ham radio equipment and uh, getting the shack ready to operate again. Now, your dad, your dad was a ham, right? I mean, he is a ham. Yeah, he, he's WB8 uh, Mike Sierra Juliet. Right. He was a radio man in World War II in the Navy. And could copy uh, Morse code at some ridiculous speed, like 30 words a minute. So when we went to get our uh, general class license in Detroit, I think I told you this story a while back, they failed him, even though he had perfect copy, because he doesn't cross the top of his J's. So every he does a J, but he doesn't, it looks like a J, but he doesn't put a cross over the top. <clears throat> and so the examiner said, you, uh, you you didn't get your J's and U's. You got them all mixed up. I said, no, I got a perfect copy as a radio man in World War II. And he wouldn't pass them. So when he went back a month yeah. later, uh, the same guy was there. Every J he copied, put a big, long dash <coughs> over the top of it. And they finally passed. I would have protested yeah. that. I would have. Mm. But that's why his call, I'm WB80LK, uh, he took his about two months later, and it was WB8MSJ. So okay. otherwise, we wouldn't right next to each other. So your your dad's getting up there in age. Uh, is he still active in ham radio or kind of? Not not so much. Uh, he's uh, He was some time ago, but uh, he's he'll be 96 in July. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going through uh, the barn where we have all my old, my massive collection of every issue of '73 magazine, 
when I was editor there and um, through the years I've collected every issue of 73 since the beginning even the rare number one issue I have a copy of it and they're all stored in that barn and unfortunately raccoons got into it and just they were trying to get out my dad built a storage unit in the barn for all my ham radio stuff from past years and um, he invented instead the perfect raccoon trap so they really oh, yeah. made a mess so i spent two weeks up there digging through the barn and going through old photographs but i did recover quite a few back issues of 73 well, all right but most of them are now scanned into uh they're mostly all scanned in online <clears throat> um but how many of you heard of radio fun magazine radio who radio fun fun no yeah um that was a Wayne Green publication. Uh, I was working as chief editor of uh, 73 Magazine when I first started there, and after the first year, he decided that um, a full-time job was not enough, so he made me come up with a newsletter for beginning hams, and it was done like a tabloid. It was a newspaper print, and he'd send that out to new hams and try to get another magazine going, and we did that for several years, so uh, I haven't seen too many of those scanned online, uh, but I have seen a few, and I just grabbed a few from the storage unit and uh, going to try and scan some more in. Well, you know, uh, there I, was actually, we put together some pretty good articles in there. I, I thought that maybe for new new people coming to hobby, that might be good to reissue that, but they're probably not interested in Spark Gap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Okay, man. All right. Not hey, that old. Hey, let's uh, let's jump right into it here. We got several. Hey, we got some exciting things to talk about tonight. And the show formats, you know, we got the we got the after the show show coming up. It's going to be fun. And well, let me just tell everybody just real quick. Uh, typically, if you'll send me an email, I will send you a link to the Zoom after the show show. Um, we did put it in the chat room last uh, week, and we'll do it again this week, I think. We'll, so we'll we'll issue that that link in the chat room for you uh, to uh, get it to more people out there. But uh, really, would like some participation uh, for you guys out there uh, to join us tonight. And if you don't want to talk, just join us anyway and listen. You know. All right. Well, hey, let's move on over and let's let's see what Joe's got. He's been out for a while, and let's. Uh, he was showing me before the show. There's some. He got a couple little neat things. I might be interested in a couple of those. So, hey, Joe, why don't you go ahead and pick it up and uh, let's. All right, uh, Tom. Yeah, let's and let's let's see what you got let's there. See if we can. Uh, I'm going to put up some pictures first, and then I'll hold a few things up to the camera. So we're going to do this and this, and that should share me out. Okay. So what you're looking at here is some parts that make up a, a kit that I made a couple of months ago. And I wrote about for May CQ, which uh, uh, actually just came out in the mail a couple of days ago. So if you have your May CQ magazine, you can open it up to uh, my kit building column. And these are some of the pictures and stuff you're going to see in there. What this is, is it's a noise loop antenna kit. And this uh, is sold by DX Engineering. 
and uh, I can't remember the eight call sign that designed it, but uh, it was also the front page of QST, how to make it yourself, and then DX Engineering made a kit for it, and so I built the kit to uh, review it. Uh, what a noise loop does is it helps you home in on noise sources, and it works by having an extremely deep null in one direction. It is very unidirectional in the null. The peak is very broad, but the null is very, very narrow. And so this is some of the parts it comes with to uh, put it together. Um, there's... Uh, some more of the parts. As you can see, it's not a very complicated kit. It's it's easy even for a first-timer, I think, to put together. Um, and these are where the coax feed line comes in and where the wire branches off, and then there's a terminator board and some of the parts. But you do have to wind a binocular toroid, which uh, for a first-timer, they might need a little help. Uh, this is what the toroid looks like. It does make a impedance transformer because this is a loop going to 50 ohm coax. And by the way, this loop antenna works anywhere from the AM broadcast band up to 30 megahertz. Now, obviously, because it has a resistor on the far end as a terminator where the null is, uh, it, it has negative gain. It does have loss. And so they do sell a preamp kit uh, that will compensate for that if you need any gain. But the neat thing about it is you can go hunting down bad wall warts and power line transformers and things like that. And you can find out where all the noise is coming from. Uh, and if you want to use it for DXing the AM broadcast band, you can find the null and see what direction the signal is coming from that you're listening to. Um, this is the terminator end of the uh, antenna. Very simple, just a resistor. And uh, this is the uh, feed line thing with the uh, 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 transformer on it. And this is what the finished antenna looks like. It comes with all the parts, the, the plastic pole and everything, uh, and a length of coax. It, it comes all ready for you to assemble. And I'm guessing the the average ham would spend maybe uh, an hour or two putting this together. Um, and it worked really, really well. I was able to null out a kilowatt AM broadcast station. I mean, it wasn't gone, but it went from like 20 over 9 to about an S3 or something um, using a uh, KX2 as the receiver. And uh, like I said, it's used for finding noise sources, and uh, it's called the noise loop, and you can find that at DX Engineering. Um, then I decided I was going to build a pocket-sized CW transceiver. This is the QCX Mini. I saw Alan had the big brother to it uh, he was showing earlier. Uh, this is the pocket-sized version, and uh, the pocket-sized version uh, has a lot of surface mount parts, and guess what, folks? They are already done for you, but that's the uh, parts all sorted out, like most kits, and that is what the main board looks like, and you can see there's lots of ICs and resistors and capacitors that are already mounted on the board. This type of kit has become lots more common. Uh, the uh, four-state QRP uh, Nouveau 75, 75-meter 75 AM transceiver kit is also a hybrid kit that has like 130-some surface mount parts, <coughs> excuse me, 
and about 30 some parts that you actually solder. Well, this is the same basic idea. Uh, but there are two different uh, circuit boards that you get. Uh, this one uh, becomes a frame around the display and holds the display. And the boards that are in the middle include the bandpass filter and some other parts that you need to complete the kit. And you can see by the holes, tiny holes drilled, that they are perforated and designed to be separated. And then you have to use a file to smooth that area down. Otherwise, things don't fit real well uh, where the perforation was. Uh, still has little pieces of circuit board sticking out. So you got to kind of clean that up. But uh, it uses the two circuit boards very, very efficiently. Um, that is the main toroid in it. And between the QCX Mini and the full size, they are identical, the, the toroids in them. And this one has three different sets of windings. And being the 40 meter one, it pretty well fills it up. And uh, so that's the one part you're going to probably spend the most time with. I think I spent a little over an hour putting that toroid together. But uh, if about you do how long it right, it took me to do mine too. What? About that's that about one? how long it took me to do mine. I did the 40 meter version of the QCX Plus. Yeah, so that would be the exact same toroid. In fact, they, they use the same core, the same everything, and the same layout on the board in the full size as they do the pocket size. And it's. Uh, it's a necessity for what this kit is. And if you do it right, everything's gonna work good for you. Uh, this is what it looks like when you sandwich the two boards together and get the display and everything uh, all lined up. As you can see, there's not a lot of clearance in there. So you gotta make things really tight down to the bottom of the board. Um, can't have anything loose, uh, anything like that. Um, this is another view of what it looks like without the uh, display on it. Uh, but you can see the buttons and the two controls and several of the toroids there. And you can see the finals and stuff with the uh, heat sink bolted on it uh, on the lower left. And the plugs, jacks, and connectors. And when it's all put together, this is what it looks like. And I, I'll put it in my hand later so you can see what it is in real life for reference. It is a very nice little CW transceiver. You can use a straight key or a key or paddle and it's fully synthesized and uh, very stable. Doesn't draw a lot. It uh, doesn't have a battery in it. So of course you're going to be using an external 12 volt power source. Now let's kind of go to a big brother of this, which is put out by somebody else. Uh, the first kit, of course, came from QRP Labs. This one comes from WA3RNC. So if you go to WA3RNC.com, you will see this kit for sale. It sells for about $250, and for a little more, he will also pre-wind the four toroids for you and rip them out and everything and have them prepared. So if you really, really don't like winding toroids, this next one, you can get the toroids as a kit that's uh, pre-wound with it. Now you notice the parts for this are in strips. And what you do is you start at the top near the label and you work your way down. So I take my scissors and I cut part way into it and I shake out the parts that come in that one little pouch 
and you go step by step in the instructions and each time uh, you've completed one then it's going to ask you to get the next set of parts out and the parts are in these little pouches that are uh, heat sealed in a strip so that you don't have to sort your parts when you've installed the part well that's a good breaking point and you don't have to worry about closing them up and sorting them out and things like that or getting lost uh, the strip just holds all the parts so this is the first kit I've ever done that did it this way and I really really like it uh, really like this method so like I said this one here on the right I'd, I'd cut that open take the IC socket out and mount it and then the next step you'd open up that and there might be several pieces in there and, and so forth uh, this is what it looks like um, you can see the um, the upper board is actually there in the case I was lining it up and this is the lower board and the parts that you see already mounted on the lower board and the upper board uh, are already mounted once again we're talking about a hybrid kit where you have surface mount parts that are already done for you now this one has some trimmer caps in the lower right on the lower board and it would be about impossible to adjust those once everything is put together well guess what he's already done it for you he uses what they call a pin cushion and the board is mounted onto that and there's contacts that come up and touch it underneath and it, it hooks it to a circuit that's identical to what it will be in and they align it right there so those four capacitors do not need to be touched uh, once you've completed your kit, they are pre-aligned and already pre-mounted. Uh, this is what the top board looks like before we put the ICs and the pins in uh, that connect it to the uh, lower board. Uh, but you can see the display is right there in the middle. It's a real tiny OLED, which is um, uh, an LED-based screen. And you get you can get TVs now that are OLED as well. Uh, but this is a very neat display that doesn't draw a lot, doesn't have a backlight. Uh, each pixel lights on its own. You can see all the controls and the LEDs and everything on this board. Um, the pouch that had the uh, toroid wires uh, also had a cloth-backed sandpaper so it's real flexible and makes it real easy to get rid of most of the insulation on the wire i found uh using the sandpaper to get most of it off and then using the hot solder blob method to melt the rest of the insulation off and tin the wire made for really great toroids and you'll notice that they twisted a red and green wire together for the transformer that's uh one of the toroids and uh, that particular one, uh, because they already twisted it for you, there's no kind of guessing how tight you have to make the twists and so on for the bifiler toroid. This is what it looks like when everything is all put together onto the board and you can see the pins are there and you can see the four crystals in the right order for the crystal filter. Um, everything is all ready to put together into the box except I don't have a picture of the box yet I'm just finishing up writing about this and so probably later tonight or tomorrow I'll be taking the final pictures but you're gonna get to see it anyways um, my other hey, Joe hand, yeah uh, before you move on from that uh, I was noticing on the website for that kit 
there was an upgrade for the uh, for the rotary encoder. And I was wondering what, what's different with the upgraded rotary encoder versus the one that's there. You know, I don't know. I will have to ask him uh, what what that is. I I am not sure which mine is. It seems to tune very easily. I don't know if I have the higher precision one or not. Uh, by pushing down on the encoder, you can change it from um, uh, 100 hertz steps, which is the default, down to 10 hertz steps. Or if you hold it down for like three seconds, you can put it in one kilohertz steps to tune faster. So I don't know what the higher precision is. Uh, I will find out. But obviously there is a, another encoder available. But I, I really don't know. I'll have to find out. All right, cool. uh, the controls on the front is uh, the keyer speed, uh, transmit output power, receiver RF gain, and the volume, and, of course, the tuning. There's a switch for uh, switching bands because this is 20 and 40. It's a dual band. And you can hear a relay uh, switch when you change that. And pulling that switch down intermittently um, triggers the RIT. And so uh, it does have an RIT function and a power on off switch. Unique to this kit amongst all the other QRP kits I've ever built is that this has two key inputs, one for a straight key and one for paddles. So you can actually have a miniature or portable straight key and a set of paddles plugged in at the same time and you can just pick and choose which one you want to use by just starting to use it. So. Yeah, I, no I noticed too. I think what I read said that uh, you kind of get somewhat room-filling audio into a loudspeaker with that, and that's that's the yeah. only the only downside that I found with my little uh, you know, QCX Plus is you either have to use headphones or an amplified speaker because it can't drive eight ohms directly. But it sounds like this one can. Yeah, I've I've hooked it to a small speaker and it's plenty loud. Uh, awesome. My headphones, I have to turn it down, <laughs> otherwise it's way too loud. Cool. Um, the filters, the, the four-pole crystal filter, is centered on 700 hertz, and it's about 300 hertz wide. So it's it's pretty pretty good, even in crowded band conditions, uh, it receives quite well. And when I'm done, I, I will show you the completed one plugged into the power supply. Uh, my other pandemic, well, I, I'll show you another radio that's also available as a kit. Um, and uh, my other pandemic product uh, project was something that's been in my basement for 30 years uh, and had worked in the past. And uh, uh, when it quit working, I let stuff pile up around it and it got buried and 42 bags of trash later, it's uncovered, cleaned up and I restored everything. And I have a 1975 Gottlieb. Uh, electromechanical pinball machine. There are no circuit boards in there. Uh, there are no LEDs. There's no electronic sound effects. It's the good old doorbell type chimes. Uh, everything is mechanical in there and uh, restored that to full operation. Uh, as you can see, it's all lit up. And Those this are the is best. What, yeah, and this is what it looks like inside, folks. And uh, the thing that spins with the number targets was jammed pretty good. And I thought, boy, I'm going to have to take that apart. And then I realized, well, it's not really jammed. Uh, it's triggered by a solenoid that starts it spinning. 
and it just didn't spin freely. And so uh, the solution to it was WD-40. I ran WD-40 through it on the shaft and let it soak for about a half an hour. And lo and behold, it, it spins real good. Well, then I uh, sprayed some solvent in there to get the WD-40 out. And then I put some lighter uh, machine oil on it so it, it spins freely and doesn't gunk up with the WD-40. And so that is uh, functional. And then there's a device on the lower left kind of here. And that is a spinner uh a rotary uh, switch relay control thing. And that's where most of the problems lied. And that was uh, the contacts were bad. And we use a thing called a flex stone on those, something you never, ever, ever want to use on your CW keys or RF relays. Do not use something like that. It's only good for these pre-1975 uh, electromechanical pinball machines. And uh, if you can see, there's a... Um, a clip lead in there and that was put in there many many years ago so that when I would run out of games on it I didn't have to put a quarter in it or open the door and push the the leaf switch that got rolled over when the quarter went in uh, instead uh, if it said zero games all it did was I shorted out the contacts that open when it runs out of games so that it says you're done, it says game over, but if you hit the reset button, it just comes back on. Um, but the the games knocker works again, the tilt mechanisms are back online, and uh, it plays and it rocks and rolls. And as you can see in there, I do have the full schematic, and uh, everything is programmed by moving jumpers on pins. So uh, it's quite a thing. And so, like I said, the, the, I think these are the best machines. Uh, I don't like the, the loudspeakers and the circuit boards and all that in these. I love these electromechanicals and uh, uh, it's just a lot of fun to play with. So I'm going to close that so you can see my ugly face again. And I'm going to show you what the um, TR25 looks like all lit up. And see, there we go. Now it's nice focus. Um, but there it is. I have adjusted it so that the low battery flasher, uh, and that is a, an optional adjustment to whatever voltage you want. And I set it so it's just a hair under um, uh, 9 volts. And in, in fact, I sent it to the guy who put it out because... Uh, had some questions about it and he wanted to look and see how I did. And he said that I had that adjusted 40 millivolts below nine volts. It was just perfect. And he didn't touch anything. Uh, it looks really good. So it puts out as much as 10 watts. If you're running it off of 14 volts on 12 volts, you'll get about eight watts or so on 20 meters. I mean on 40 and five or six watts on 20 and uh, a fun kit and that's going to get some summertime uh, outdoor use here uh, this is the uh, qcx mini from qrp labs and once again that other kit comes from wa3rnc.com and you can see here the the qcx mini is is there the only problem i have with this one is i can't get the backlight to work and so i got to find out what the story is on that 
But other than that, it works just fine, and it's easy to read the display in sunlight. And then finally, um, this is now available in kit form as well as uh, assembled. This is uh, a general coverage receiver, and you can get these. Uh, this is called an SI4732 or 4735 kit, uh, this particular one. Uh, also has an, a display identical to the, the one kit we just looked at. And if I boot it up, we'll see what it does. Um, you can see the display. And it comes up, and it's got FM broadcast. And I can um, uh, dial in a local station, and it, it picks up the uh, RDS and everything. But it's not just an AM and FM radio. It is shortwave also. So it covers everything from long wave to uh, medium wave, which is AM broadcast, all the way through all the shortwave and ham bands. It does upper sideband, lower sideband, CW, uh, AM. It, it has variable bandwidth uh, out to 6 kilohertz, and it actually uh, sounds really good when listening to shortwave or AM broadcast. Uh, you can listen to the ham bands on it. It The heart of it is an Arduino, which is uh, Glenn's forte. I am just now starting to learn how this thing works by looking at the sketch, which is the program that runs this thing. And trial and error, I figured out how to get it to load a newer version. And the newer version of the software works wonderful, except for... Um, uh, the fact that the dial now turns backwards. So I got to find out which uh, 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 lines on the Arduino are reversed in the sketch. And I'm sure that's easy to figure out and uh, can reverse the way it, it talks to the uh, uh, encoder. That might be in the encoder uh, uh, library as well. I bet it's in a definition right at the top of the file for the pin definition. You just reverse those two. Yep. So uh, it's a fun radio, and you can play with it with the program. And so uh, Glenn knows that uh, it's going to probably get my feet wet in these things. Well, welcome um, to my world, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I, I didn't have any trouble. The, the computer found the driver right away to talk to it and assigned it a COM port. So I thought, oh, well, that's not so bad. So... I didn't have to put a driver in the computer, and it talked to it just fine. So anyways, Tom, that is what's been keeping me busy. All right, well, Joe, hey, man, thank you so much for uh, showing us those. Uh, I might have to order a couple of those. I, I was really impressed with, uh, with them. Hey, so, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, Bill's got something up there that relates to the pinball machine. Yeah, yeah, I Let's have a... I basically have a oh, yeah. chart to solve any problem you might have with an electromechanical uh, situation. Um, right. And this works beautifully, and we use it in NASA in particular. Yeah, I, I use that just about <laughs> everything I do down here, too. That's, I think uh, that's, that's, that's cool. or duct tape. That's yeah, cool. The cool. gang of the universe. All right. All right. Hey, guys, we need to move on. we got a lot to cover tonight. Hey, Joe, thank you so much, man, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you later. Hey, Joe, uh, uh, I, I think I sent you the link to after the show show in case you want to join us, and then we can talk about all this stuff again if you want to. 
I will stick around. Okay. For- All right, guys. Hey, we'll be back in just a minute. Don't uh, don't go away. The Green Outdoors are calling. Get outside and under the stars with one of ICOM's ultimate SDR transceivers. The IC705 is a perfect transceiver for hams who enjoy both the great indoors and the outdoors. It's a perfect QRP companion. The base station has features and functionality at the tip of your fingers and a portable package. And it covers HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. And guess what? It weighs in at just under 2 pounds. It has a 4.3 inch touchscreen and it's got a live band scope and waterfall. It'll run 5 watts with a BP272 or 10 watts on 13.8 volts DC. It runs all modes, including D-Star. The speaker microphone comes standard. The perfect accessory for the 705 is the LC192 backpack. It has a special compartment for your IC705 and room for all your accessories. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver radio brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are just sure to keep you busy. It has a 4.3-inch color touchscreen and spectrum scope and waterfall. It has smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels. And it's full duplex operation in satellite mode. Heard it, worked it, and logged it with ICOM 7300. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transistor digitizes the RF before various receiver stages to reduce the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 is the radio that changed the way of entry-level HF. Visit www.icomamerica/amateur for more information on ICOM radios. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. All right, and we are back. Let me turn the echo off. There we go. So, man, hey, the show is packed tonight with a lot of good stuff there. Um, I think we lost uh, Dwayne and Katie with the lightning. Um, they may be watching. I don't know. But uh, I can truly understand that, you know, uh, when that lightning and uh, the storm start hitting real close, uh, it's not fun sometimes for uh, ham radio operators. Ah, oh, Katie says she's watching. Okay, very good. Well, Katie, I didn't know if you guys, if you were doing anything you wanted to talk about tonight. If you do, you're going to have to come back into the uh, Zoom meeting uh, or the Zoom connection here. But uh, if not, uh, we're glad you're in the room there. All right, so let's see. Uh, 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 oh, hey, I, while I'm thinking about it, I want to tell everybody right now, next week we're going to have a great show. Let me give you a preview of what's going to happen next week. Um, I'm going to try to give you a preview right here. If I can, I should be able to figure this out. Here we go. So next week we've got a special guest, uh, KK5 uh, IM is going to be with us. Let me give you just a uh, 20 seconds of uh, kind of a sneak preview. So here we go. Here we go. 
Howdy, I'm Jay Miller, KK5IM. Thank you very much for watching this video shack tour. Okay. I started fooling around with amateur radio in 1962 as a Boy Scout. Back in those days, we had to learn the Morse code, we had to study and take written tests, usually given to us by older amateur radio operators. So I can't claim to have been licensed continuously since then, but I have been on the air for over 30 years. I so this is uh, what you're about to see at yeah. Raiders License, what follows. And thank you again, who for some extremely good So this is some of the stuff here that accumulate uh, material and jump never really go. My shack measures about 24 by 16 feet. I built all of the operating depth. So that's going to be a cool segment, I think, uh, next week when we get Jay in here. Uh, I mean, uh, wow. What do you think about that? Did you, did you, what do you, hey, what do you guys think about that shack? It's pretty that's cool. pretty cool. It was. It was pretty cool there. All right, so that's next week, guys. So uh, be sure and uh, uh, be, be with us next week if you want to see that. Um, uh, real quick, uh, if you're listening out there on Shorewave on WBCQ on 7490, send us an email, tom at w5kub.com let us know where you are join our show our show is live on youtube uh on uh tuesday evenings um let's see uh, hey glenn just real quick let me ask you something i don't think you have anything planned tonight but you've got are you going to be at uh, a field day coming up here soon i'm looking at it it looks like i'm going to have that day off uh, they okay. finally announced officially prime day and it's the week before so yeah, I should be able to make it to field day this year. Okay, well, very good. And and let me just make this announcement, too. Uh, uh, every year during field day, we try also to uh, feature some of the field day operations on our show. So if you're out there and you got a great field day operation, get some video, uh, shoot me an email or something uh, uh, prior to that. Let's uh, talk about getting you on a show or getting your video on a show uh, about field day. So we're going to... We're going to do that too. Um, let's uh, let's jump over now and talk real quick with uh, with uh, Alan about his uh, treasure that he found uh, in well, I don't know flea market ham fest. What would you find, uh, Alan? Well, we uh, actually had a the second ham fest I was able to go to so far this year. Just a local ham fest, not huge, but uh, but it was fun and uh, picked up. Uh, Somebody who's been watching my YouTube channel probably knows that I'm a fan of these guys, the uh, Simpson 260. So I found this uh, Simpson 260 pretty dirty and beat up for $20. But uh, so I brought it home to a little bit of refurbishing on it. There's uh, you got yours there. I know we had chatted about these in the past, but I thought I'd talk a little bit more about um, what to look for and uh, you know kind of what what's inside these things and how you set them up and, and adjust them and. We talked a bit about why you want analog meters because they're really good for looking and when you're tuning things and you want to see when you know something is peaked or something is dipped and you want to look for variations of things. So when you're really interested more in in variations of things as opposed to absolute you know 0.02 percent accuracy, because analog VOMs really can't be beat. So the 260 is kind of about the king of the hill here in the U.S. anyway. Um, and uh, so really uh, as a put and that or the, the triplet 630 are probably the most common ones but uh, so anyway, let me see if, if you've got if I've got the ability to share looks like I do yep. 
let me uh, let me kind of just give you a couple of resources and uh, and to help you go look look for things here. So, I've got a couple of videos on my channel uh, that uh, that talk about the 260 uh, video number 321. Easy to remember, goes through essentially the whole family. Um, there's a number of different series of the Simpson 260, ranging from the initial one from series one all the way up to a series eight or nine now. Um, and there's a couple of different uh, features and things like that that uh, went along with each series. And in that video, I kind of talk about the different series and the era that they were available in, the type of jacks they had, and what kind of batteries they had and that type of a thing. And to me, the, the one that they really want to kind of find, the most convenient one, is actually a series six. He uses a regular banana jack as opposed to like the little pin jacks that the early ones had or the reverse bananas that the later ones had. And it's got a, a, a separate battery access door on the back, uh, you know, have to, having to take the whole thing apart. So you got the combination of the battery access door that was available on, a, on some of the, uh, it's only available on the later ones, but then the regular banana jacks was on the early ones. So the Series 6 is really great for that. So, um, so that's always good to look for. A uh, couple of really good resources in terms of uh, you know, things out there and things you want to look out for. Look for battery leakage because most things with batteries, people leave the batteries in and things get damaged. And uh, especially on the ones that don't have the separate battery compartment, that battery acid can get down onto the, the phenolic PCB and then it's basically toast. You're really no good way of uh, restoring that. Uh, look for, uh, make sure the meter movement is good. Make sure the meter is not sticky you know, type of thing. So, um, but uh, you know, I like analog meters. They you know, kind of have to think in order to use them. That's a good thing, <laughs> okay? And you don't really even have to have the batteries in them, all right? The only reason you really need the batteries is if you want to measure resistance with them. And I use a DMM for that. So you just leave the batteries out and then you never have to worry about it again. Uh, so one of the things that I did after cleaning up this one that I picked up uh, and uh, is to go check to see how accurate it was. And it wasn't terribly accurate, so it was time to do the calibration. So I've actually got a video on that as well. Video number 324 uh, talks about how to calibrate a Simpson 260. And um, a little bonus in that, it, I talk about how to build a little 50 microamp current source, which is a really good aid, uh, particularly for the Simpson 260s. Um, and, uh, and the reason for that is that the meter movement is designed to be 50 microamps full scale. Uh, and uh, th there's really just very few adjustments in these things. Um, it really comes down to, to something very simple. So the, the, base, the two basic adjustments are right here. Uh, the meter itself is actually slightly less than 50 microamps full scale, like 47, 48 microamps full scale. So they put a resistor in parallel with it so that you can put a perfect 50 microamps through the meter and adjust the shunt to get the 50 microamp full scale. So that's how you kind of get the meter set to, so that it deflects properly with 50 microamps flowing through this whole circuit. And the other thing that they do is they, you, they have another resistor in series so that once you've got the meter set to full scale at 50 microamps, then you adjust this series resistor so that this overall circuit from this end to this end measures uh, 5,000 ohms or 250 millivolt drop at 50 microamps. Once you adjust those two things, then, then all of your DC voltage scales are all set up. It's all done because everything else is just precision resistors that are stuck in series with this 5,000 ohm assembly. 
So as long as there's precision resistors used, there's no other adjustments to make. So every one of the, the DC voltage scales are all set up once you do that. Uh, there's two other adjustments that are made for the AC voltage range. Um, and there's a little procedure that we can walk through on that. And then finally, I, uh, I, I built this little 50 microamp current source um, to use for calibrating my, you know, the 260s. And it was a pretty simple thing. I wanted a 50 microamp current source that was ground reference just to make it easy for my connections. Uh, and all I did simply used here, I just scrounging around on my bench to find parts. I found a, a 6.4 volt um, uh, temperature stabilized zener, 1N4577. I happen to have a whole bag of them for some reason. So that, um, you know, just off it doesn't have to be even be a 9 volt supply, but I used a 9 volt supply. Sets up essentially a constant voltage, about 6.4 volts across that. And then with that, uh, set up a, a simple PNP current mirror. Okay. And, uh, and using that current mirror, I was able to basically adjust the values of these resistors to get 50 microamps here. And uh, so I just stick the meter there to measure 50 microamps. And then with the 50 microamps going through, you can also measure the voltage across it and measure the 250 millivolts, and the calibration is done. So it's really pretty simple. But the video kind of walks through that. Um, there's a couple of great resources, simpson260.com. You literally have got, you know, pictures and manuals and things like that and information specifications for all the different, you know, Simpson multimeters, all the 260s and a couple of others. So a really, really great website that this person has put together. There's also a downloads page that has all the different manuals and schematics for the different uh, models of things like that for the Simpson 260s. Great place to kind of go looking for things. And one of the documents there is actually this really nice document, which is the theory of operation. And it goes through, you know, when you set up for DC voltage measurements, what it looks like inside the meter. It may look complex, but it's really pretty simple, right? Plus five volts, you go through some series resistors, and then you've got that shunt resistor and the shears resistor to set up the, you know, the 50 microamp and 200 and 5,000 ohm, you know, assembly here. And the rest of it is just all precision resistors. There's a similar and there's a whole discussion about how it works. There's a discussion of how the DC current measurement is set up. There's a discussion how the AC voltage measurements are set up in the meter. Again, it's really all pretty simple stuff. And then, uh, uh, a discussion of how the resistance measurements are made. And then there's an overload protection circuit on the models that are have a su suffix called P, and that's the, the protection circuit. So um, just wanted to kind of share a little bit about uh, these meters. Uh, what's interesting is that Simpson still sells uh, these 260, well, they sell a 260 Series 8, I think, still brand new. It's like $350. And it's functionally the same as this meter right here. Okay. Yeah, so you can pick it. only 25 bucks. Yeah. And I got this one for $20, right? Had to look, put a little bit of work into it. But, um, you know, again, to me, there's always some value in having an analog multimeter uh, in your shack on the bench, things like that. You don't have to worry about batteries leaking in it. If you're never going to measure resistance, just leave the batteries out. It always works. Uh, it's really good when you're tuning circuits and you want to adjust, you know, and look for things that are going up or down and look for variations and peaking of circuits and that type of thing. So it's always a good idea to have an analog VOM uh, sitting around. So, um, again, you can find them at people, 
don't value them like they should in my mind and i've got uh, more than i should <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but i've got i've got well this this is a series 6p i've got a six series a series six sitting over on my shack bench over there you can see kind of over my shoulder this way this is on my bench downstairs there's one there's one in the corner there but that's an old picture there's a couple more <laughs> there now so um but uh like i said don't, don't be afraid to pick these things up and one of the things i like to say again is that um, they do require some thought, right? You got They're not auto-ranging, so you have to know what range you're putting it on. You have to know what scale to read. So the fact that you've got to think, in my mind, is a good thing. And the other thing to remember compared to the DMMs is that they are going to load your circuit more than a DMM will, right? A DMM's input resistance is typically 10 megohms. So you know, unless you're looking at very, very high impedance circuits, that 10 megohms is not going to load down any kind of a circuit. The Simpson 260 uh, is rated at 20,000 ohms per volt when you're measuring DC. So if you're on a one volt scale, it looks like a 20 a 20k ohm resistor, right? That's a, that's a far cry from 10 mega ohms. So depending on what you're probing, that 20k ohms might affect something. If you're on you know, the 10 volt scale, it looks like a 250k ohm resistor. Again, a far cry from 10 meg. But in some cases, that lower resistance can actually be a good thing. Um, when it comes to looking at at, uh, at stray voltages, for example, if you're if you're probing an AC line voltage with a DMM, even if you cut the circuit breaker off and you stick a DMM in an outlet, you might pick up 100 volts or 60 volts or something because of mm. just stray pickup, and it's such a high impedance, it's not going to load that circuit down and drag that stray voltage down. Where a DMM or a, a voltometer with a lower resistance will tend to drag that and keep those stray voltages out, you know, out so you can kind of get a true reading of what's going on. So, uh, but don't, just keep keep aware of that, uh, that the loading is different, but I think uh, there's value essentially in both having DMMs and having analog voltage milliameters uh, in your shack. So if you find a 260 at a, at a um, at a ham fest, ask to see if you can ask if you can pull the back off to see if the battery has been corroded in it. Shake the meter to see if make sure the meter movement isn't frozen or stuck. And if you've got a little nine volt battery, keep a nine volt battery in your pocket and maybe a set of test leads, and then test the meter out real quick to see if it actually works. And if it passes basic functionality and you get it at a good price, uh, it'll serve you for the rest of your life. So. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that. Uh, again, it was fun being at a ham fest. Uh, I saw that Rio was in the chat earlier. Uh, Rio was at the ham fest as well uh, up there in uh, North Jersey. So uh, it was uh, a nice hot, hot day. I only spent about an hour and a half there because I had another errand to run. But uh, but it was nice to, to, to run through the ham fest there. And uh, got a couple more coming up this summer. So we're looking forward to that. Well, that's great. And we've got a couple of ham fests coming up. I guess our next one's going to be Huntsville. Joe's going to be there. Glenn's going to be there. Alan? Yeah, just got confirmation I'm going to be doing an Arduino for him Alan, there on Alan, Saturday. Yeah, Alan, you need to get in a company car and head out maybe the day before. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, Huntsville's on I'll be doing a 15-hour drive. And, and Bill will be there. So, hey, most of the gang's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tom, I'll be, uh, I think my farm's at noon, and we're going to do a balloon launch out in the parking lot. By the way, I found uh, this very rare issue of Radio Fun. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't wow. know how many of you have ever heard of it, but it was published by 73 Magazine in uh, 1990 through, well, 1992 through, I'm sorry, 91 
uh, through uh, '93 or so. I'll have to try and, to look. Uh, I had a. I'm, I'll have to try to pull, the pull some editor. of those up. Yeah, but you shouldn't have held that up uh, there. Let me you, show you, you this one. You just opened a can this of worms. This is what I look hey. like. This is what I look like in 1992. Yeah, I, I've got, i got a video here. Oh you, and I got a video of you. Uh, we're going to show here one day back in the 90s of you. You, you, you held that up and you opened a can of worms, Bill. And this you, is uh, pictures of the uh, Aurora. I was working Aurora, and that was taken in my backyard in Peterborough, New Hampshire, where 73 was based in. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, working with Wayne Green, I could do a whole show about uh, working directly for Wayne Green for three years. I've all got right, stories. All right. I, I, I got to say this. I brought it up. You held that first article up. You already opened a can of worms. It had 73s there with an S. Uh-oh. We can get a lot of discussion about that, arguments and knife fights and everything. Is it 73s or is it 73? We'll, ha- we'll cover that on another show. In fact, I have a video of that. Yeah. Uh, I have a video of one of the shows about 73 or 73s. But anyway, hey. It great. actually stands for the best of 73s issues. So there, there's multiple issues. Uh, uh, so well, okay, maybe. If you can define it, it, it like you might can find it, you might can define it like that and get get away with it. Get away All right. with it, yeah. All right, very good. All right, hey guys. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we're trying to hit our uh, target of nine fifteen tonight. We might be a few minutes late, uh, but uh, hey, the show's going to continue. And what we don't talk about this first hour, we'll still talk about it the second hour. So uh, stick around. You know, hey, you know, we've been talking a while about using a tree as an antenna. Uh, whether or not it would work and um, we did some basic tests here uh, this week nothing real scientific we didn't spend a lot of time on it one reason uh, weather and different things like that uh, uh, affected us so uh, you know the military did a study a few years well not a few years ago but a number of years ago uh, using uh, using a tree as an antenna, and they basically couple to the tree with a coil like this. And uh, so we were going to try the same thing. In fact, they actually patented this right here. It's under some patent, but uh, we didn't pull a patent up. So um, I uh, I've got a video here, and uh, I want to show you some uh what we did and then we'll show you the results so this is a quick video i'll try to fast forward through uh parts of it if it starts getting uh uh, boring but here we go here we go all i gotta do is get the right picture here let's see yeah that's better i'll I'll frame it in here we go okay so you did use the drain pipe here we go well i had to yeah i did yeah I, i did here we go Hey guys, uh, you've been wondering about the using a tree for an antenna. Well, we're starting to get ready to do it. You know, I looked for the slinky. Uh, I couldn't find it. Uh, I, I looked for the, the like the uh, dryer duck uh, hose, vent hose, uh, but uh, all I could find was the metal ones. I was looking for a vinyl one, and then I started thinking, well, that steel probably still coil is probably not very good. So we're going to use real copper wire here for our coil. So we're going to make a coil, we're going to wrap it around a tree, and we're going to see if the tree will work as the antenna. So uh, I ha- don't throw anything away. Never throw anything away. Uh, I had this out in my storage building. 
piece of drain pipe. This is going to be our uh, form to uh, wind our coil on. And it's going to go around a tree like this. And we'll fasten here, but it'll be around the tree. What we'll do, we'll, uh, we'll use Whisper uh, and make some transmissions with around the tree, and we'll take it off the tree, and we will also just set it out in the open and try to make some contacts on Whisper with it and, and do a comparison. So don't throw anything away. So how are we gonna wind this? It's gonna take about 120 feet of wire. So uh, Walter's with me, and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna start. So I thought the easiest way to do that is to build some type of uh, contraption where we can wind this. So you need one of these or, or something like this. This was in my scrap, uh, scrap metal box. So I'm gonna put that in here like this. All right, so you need that, and then, what are you going to hold that? And then I thought, okay, well, let's use an old two by four here. You can see it's, uh, we're repurposing it, but uh, I put me a bolt in the end there. Can you see that? See a lag screw in the end? Okay. And uh, we, uh, we screwed a uh, PVC cap on this end. So here's what we're going to do. This is going to assist us in winding this. So, Walter, let's see if we get the hand. Alright, okay, so this is going to make it easier to wind. So, we're going to take this and we're going to put this uh, light bolt through this uh, little hole right here. And right here, Walter is setting up the uh, other end. Just some uh, PVC pipe here. And what we're going to try to do, don't know if this is going to work, we haven't done this before, but look at this. If we had a pig, we could roast it right now, couldn't we? Sounds good. Look at it. All right, Walter, let's, uh, let's see what we can do. I'll get it in there and you can feed it on here, or you can turn it, either one, you know? Okay. Whatever. So I'm going to, let me put this in here, in this end right here. Uh, one second. So I'm just going to feed in about. Tuck it in here. Okay. Now, the secret is, Walter, I guess you're the, you're the turn man. And uh, if you can just turn it. Okay. And let's just see if this stuff will uh, try to get the wire down in a little groove for you. Did the handle come apart? Yeah. It, it was slipping on you? It's I, I, didn't, I didn't glue it. I didn't glue it. So anyway, but it's uh, our... Uh, our little homemade thing here is helping, I think. That's like pretty. Copper. It got another splice coming. It didn't work very well. At least our rotate. I think it's just tape. Okay, let me get some cutters. Well, we don't. Even, we had about 15 feet left there, so. That took, uh, that took at least, I'm guessing at least 120 feet there. You can cut that here. We'll keep yourself a little room. Yeah, I think that's good right there. All right, let's uh, take, let's put this. And there's your home. It's going to be in, it's going to go around the tree like this. 
We'll take some uh, bungee cords or whatever and we'll fasten this. We'll hook our antenna tuner to these two wires right here. And this is what's going to this is what's going to couple us to the tree right here. So stay tuned. Alright, so this is our this is gonna be our test tree right here. And we're just gonna pull it around like this. And we're gonna bunch it just like this right here. Okay, so that's kind of uh, that's kind of how it's gonna be. This is uh, this is how we're gonna couple antenna tuner connector connector. Results are coming. Okay, we're through. All right, so um, that basically was our call that we wound and. Uh, uh, I saw a comment where it wasn't wound evenly. We tried to lay the wire in each of the little grooves, uh, but uh, as you may have noticed, the grooves don't cut into each other groove. We had to kind of jump over to the next groove. So uh, again, as far as inductor is concerned, it shouldn't have made really any difference for us, and it was insulated wire, and uh, it wasn't going to short out. And I think we had a pretty consistent uh, four and a half inch coil uh, for five feet long, so uh, that's what we uh, that's what we put together. Now, I ran some. Uh, let's see, I ran some tests on um, Whisper, and here they are, guys. Let's see if you can see this. So, the first top two pictures shows a 40 meter off center fed antenna on Whisper. And it shows a 20-meter offset fed uh, uh, frequency uh, using an off-center fed antenna. So you can see uh, what the typical wire antenna pattern looked like at that time. Now if we move down to the next set, we see 40 meters uh, using the tree as an antenna. Uh, using the tree as an antenna, we've got uh, probably the, uh, the eastern half of the United States uh, Pretty pretty much covered there, both north, south, east, west. But then we took the uh, we took the coil off the tree and made a measurement. And if you look there, there's not as many. There's maybe three or four spots, very uh, very few spots uh, without the tree. So on 40 meters with the tree, uh, I don't know. There's probably three times or more the number of of spots there that. Uh, uh, of people around the uh, country picking us up. If you go down to the bottom picture, that's our 20 meter uh, uh, test. And you can see uh, on 20 meters using a tree as an antenna, we, we uh, had, con uh, we had um, uh, receptions as far away as like uh, Washington, Oregon, California, uh, New England, uh, Florida. And if you take it off the tree, again, you can see that uh, the, the, uh, the footprint was very much reduced, a little bit in the southeast, and that was about it. So does a tree work as an antenna? Uh, I would say not as well as a wire up in the air, but uh, it did actually uh, uh, improve. Uh, it, it did improve over uh, just using the coil. Now we made that test by, by putting that coil 
uh, taking it off the tree. You know, somebody was going to say, well, that's like a slinky or yeah, coal, you know, it, it will radiate. Well, it will radiate, and our tester shows the coal did radiate when it was off the tree, but uh, uh, it only covered about one-third of the uh, contacts that we saw when it was around the tree. So I would say a tree works a little bit. What do you think, Alan? What's yeah. uh, what? Yeah. Because how much how much um, time difference was there between you know uh, like would you, how much of that would you uh, maybe attribute to propagation differences? Well, we try to do it as quickly as possible. Probably you know ten minutes may have uh, expired there. Uh, we we try to get a quick one. Uh, so uh, propagation wouldn't change that much. The last two pictures of the wire antennas were probably taken a little bit later than that, uh, but we knew the wire antennas were going to function uh, better anyway. Mm -hmm. Tom, we, did you uh, yeah. try uh, looking at similar reports from a same station, tree and no tree, from um, the same received station, Thousand, well, you know, we, uh, yeah, we, I have that data. That data is on the, uh, the you know, the database here. I haven't uh, compared it yet. Uh, that's another thing I wanted to do is look at the, uh, uh, you know, I guess look at the signal strength of the same station and uh, see how they compare it. give you uh, yeah. how many dB difference uh, yeah. you're yeah. actually seeing. Yeah, it really would. All right. Well, uh, okay. Um, th that was an interesting experiment. I wish we'd had more time and, and could have worked a lot longer on it. And like Bill said, we could collect a whole lot more data. Uh, but uh, we've been talking about it for a long time, and I wanted just to go ahead and get it knocked out and at least get you guys some results there. Uh, okay. Um, you know, Bill, in the next segment, we'll talk a little about our balloons. We had one person tonight in the chat room didn't like us talking about balloons, so he said he was leaving. But that's okay. I mean, you know, I, when I turn the TV on, I don't like everything I watch. That's why I have remote control. I changed the channel. Uh, so I didn't have any problem with that. But we, uh, you know, we're, we're moving, Bill, from the, the Pico balloons right now to the high-altitude balloons. And I know you have a lot of experience. Well, what do you got, 900 flights, 1,000 flights, 30 years? I don't know. Well, uh, over 600 over the last 33 years. I was the first uh, person to put a, a TV camera on a balloon and uh, really started the modern yeah. uh, era of uh, high-altitude ballooning with the standard weather balloons. All right. Well, and we're, we're glad we have you on our launch team uh, to tell us exactly what to do, Bill. And... Uh, uh, it's going to be fun trying a different project here. And just quickly, I'll show you guys what we got. I've ordered some cameras. Bill, I didn't go with the expensive GoPro cameras like, you know, you said use because we're going to put multiple cameras in. But uh, we're going to have a fixed uh, action camera at the horizon. And then I've got, I've ordered some uh, 360 cameras. And uh, this camera, this is a 360 camera. It will actually... Uh, with the software, you can actually see straight above, or you can see the horizon all the way around, and anything between there. So we're going to put one of these aimed up, and then we've got another one. It should be in a day or two. We're going to have a second 360 camera, and it's going to be aimed down. And again, it'll show from the horizon all the way down to straight down and over to the other horizon. So uh, we're going to do that. And Bill, I'm so glad you sent me that note in Messenger the other night about the spot trace. 
you know, I was, I'm a little worried about recovering this. You know, we're going to put we're going to put three, four hundred dollars worth of cameras and stuff in this thing, and my fear was always that we would lose it. Yeah, there you go, spot three. Well, my fear was we would lose all this equipment, but you know, the APRS is going to get us very close to where it goes, but. We're going to, Bill put us on a company called uh, Find Me, Find Me, Find Me Spot. What is it? It's called Find, Find, Find Me, Me Spot. Spot. Find Me Spot. And it, we actually buy a GPS tracker that we will include, and it's a subscription service. We'll pay by the month when we use it, but uh, it will actually uh, track uh, on, a, on a map, and it will give us... Uh, very, very accurate. The, the landing site. It'll give us a landing site. It'll give us a landing site, and we should be able to go right out to this thing. And if somebody beats us to it and grabs us and takes it home, the GPS, the, the Find Me Spot, is going to take us to their house. Yeah, and, and that's why Bill's going to come up with us. We will drive him down to the house, and Bill uh, can go up to the door and ask for our, our package back, you know. I got one of yeah, those. That'll work. Uh, what was that, Alan? I've got one of those on my dog in case my dog runs off. I know I can go find her. Oh, that's cool. They have a nice feature in that every 24 hours, if it hasn't moved, it will give you a status update with its current position. And they claim it can last uh, upwards of 10 months. I had one in my house just testing a set of batteries and it lasted for almost a year wow yeah i was reading i was reading uh, on here i mean there's talking eight to twenty days for the battery uh in, in the in the spot if it's i was moving. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh, that's good hopefully we're going to find this again the balloon's going to take two hours up and it's going to take 38 minutes down so we're going to be trucking to find it and uh yeah, okay. because the, the latex balloon, the weather balloon, starts out about six feet in diameter, and at altitude at 100,000 feet, it's going to be like 25, 30 feet in diameter, and it'll eventually pop, and then a parachute comes out and brings it back down. Well, that's right. That's right. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, I just posted the Zoom link for the gathering, uh, the, the gathering, the after-the-show show. So I'm going to go ahead and kill this Zoom. I think I copied each of you on the new link, and you can join in there. Uh, I don't know of any way to combine the two Zooms, but uh, we're just going to bring the other Zoom back up. Guys out there uh, watching, I, I sent you a link. If you'll click on that link, it'll take you to the Zoom meeting, and you can be part of the show. And the show will continue, and we'll talk about anything you want to. So All right. See you on the other side. Yeah, we'll see you on the other side here. We should be coming up here. All right, and there is. Uh, we've got a person already in here. Oh, we got a several. We're coming in like crazy, man. Look at this. Let me see if I can get us to see. All right. You know, look at there. We, hey, let me just put the uh, put the camera on you guys. There we go. There we go. All right. 
Let's see how many we can get on. Let's see if we can break a record tonight. Let's see if we can get about 50 or 100 people in here tonight. Boy, they're coming in faster than I can approve them. Let's see. Admit. Uh, admit. Uh, okay. I'm going to keep admitting. There we go. There we go. Hey, Alan, uh, uh, I think, can you guys, do you see the uh, participants? Is there any way for you guys can approve them? Uh, if I bring up the participants list, I can't see new people coming in. I can, oh, oh, I, okay. I, I'm not seeing that. So I, I thought, you, I thought I gave you guys like co-host. Let's see. Let me do something. Gee, I don't know if I can keep up with this. It'd be nice to have some help. Let me see if I can find you, Alan, on here. Uh, uh, if we'll get, you go we'll to the participants get, list, you might be able to right-click and, and give I, me I some. I think I can right-click on your name if I can just find you here. Let's see. Uh, here you are. Let's see. Uh, Alan, let me right-click on your name, see if I can give you. That didn't work. Maybe more. I know I know what i got to do. I think, yeah, I, click, I, think I click on your picture. Let me click okay. on Glenn's picture. Okay, boy. This is, this is, this is a, uh, oh, boy. Oh, yeah, boy. Not, I'm not seeing the invite screen. So, all right. Uh, uh, let, let, let me see something. If I right click on Glenn, I, that don't work. Left click on Glenn, that don't work. Uh, let's go to Allen and do more. I read somewhere where I could give you co-hosting. Yeah, you should, should be able to. If you if you click on the participants list down at the bottom to get the list on the right hand side, can maybe you okay, can do it. Okay, maybe from maybe that maybe there. Yeah, let's see. Okay. Um, well, let's see participants. There it is, right there. Well, they're coming up with center here. They're coming up with center of the screen. Um, we got to research this so uh, we can get you guys in here. Because I use Zoom for work, and I can pass privileges to people, but it's yeah. usually I hit that participants link on the very bottom of the Zoom window to bring up the, the participants list as a panel on the right-hand side. Yeah. And then from there, I'm able to pass privileges to other people. That's that's what I'm trying to do. Let's see, to Alan. I see you. Oh, you do, uh, I think I found something. The, Let's see. The gallery view shows everyone. Oh, up there in the upper right-hand right corner. All right, let me get a gallery view. view. We'll figure this out, guys. Uh, everybody just uh, bear with us. Uh, how do I get the chat off? Let's see. Close chat. Yeah, I see, I see Ron, view. I see David, I see John, I see Mac. Gallery view. Um, okay. Uh, man, I read somewhere where I should be able to click on your picture. Wait a minute, let's see. Uh, you can set the uh, speaker view. Uh, if you hit speaker view, then whoever's speaking is uh, you, highlighted. You they just saw a make a view and then gallery view. There's a make co-host yeah, right everybody. there in the middle of the list. It says make co-host. If we're, you do that, we're, 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 oh yeah, 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 right there. Okay, I, th I, I think I'm on you, Alan. Let's see. Yep, you're on me. No, yeah, I'm on you. Okay, all right. Let's okay. let's see if it works. Then we'll know next week yeah, what to do. Yeah, now now I can admit people on you. So okay, you can help us. All right, you can help us. You can help us there. Very good. All right, we got it figured out, guys. Oh man. Woo, I'm out of breath. Somebody's got it figured out. Man, I'm, uh, I'm that tired me out, man. That, that tired me out. <laughs> All right, okay. so there we go. All right, I'm glad we got somebody that knows what they're doing now. And let's see. Well, I mean, hey, let's see. That sounds good. 
Let's see, Glenn. Yeah, make co Glenn. What? I just made you a co-host. You can help too. Gosh, I'm an honest goodness co-host now. Well, I'm just yeah. letting Bill in here. WZ1L coming in. Yeah. All right. Wow, yeah, right. Ron, Ron, Ron K9ID, that's, uh, yeah. that's from uh, Doctor Who, isn't it? Doctor Who? The K9. Oh, K9. Oh, oh. Doctor Who's dog. Oh, yes, I, I don't know. Ron's our buddy up here. Ron, Ron does all the uh, hats and stuff, man. He yeah, always, he's the hat uh, guy, man. He's, he's the hat man and uh, everything else. Okay, we've got our first... Um, sentient device that has joined us who it's called an ipad uh, an ipad yep, the terminator has begun here comes skynet just ipad has joined us yeah. here ipad joined okay all right all right well now you guys that i just gave uh, co-host to you can also kick people off so if you need to <laughs> all right all right well i don't know what do we got maybe 12 people well, yeah, if, if iPad lets us know who we are, we can even rename you so we can actually put your name and call sign on there. So, Yeah, unless it's just the iPad doing it, you know, like. Uh, well, like, people like, have to know how to run this stuff here. You got to put a you got to get in there first and he's probably still looking for the password to get in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. I, OK, canines, Dr. Who's dog. That's right. All right. <laughs> so, uh, so what do you think, Bill? We were talking about. This is not too much a Dalek. <laughs> yeah, Bill. We were talking about. We we're talking about my little 360 cameras. What do you think? This look pretty nice. I have a 360 camera here that's not a GoPro. Yeah. The GoPros work really well. The only thing you'll have to make sure is you have enough battery. Right. Right. And guess what? Guess what? The battery. I want to show you the battery I've got. Let me. I'm gonna. You're gonna use a car battery this time. Yeah, we're using a car battery on this. Let me uh, show you what we got here. Let me browse. I'm gonna pull it up. And. Uh, I'm just thinking about a car battery dropping from a hundred thousand feet. <laughs> well, we're gonna have we're gonna have a three foot parachute on it, so don't worry. Yeah, let's let's do the that'll definitely be faster than 38 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> what is instead the of, instead, of, instead of 38 a minutes? Car battery with a yeah. three foot parachute. Yeah, instead of uh, instead of 38 minutes, that figures out at 38 seconds, doesn't it? Yeah, this is a good thing you're doing that where you are, because uh, here in New Jersey, where it's back to back suburbia, you're likely yeah. to drop something on somebody's house. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! All right. Uh, Okay. I tell you what, Tom, it was good to see Walter. What's he been up to, man? I don't know. You know, he's retired. He's so busy now, he doesn't have time to do anything, man. You know, so I don't know. It was I good to know. see him again. So I want to show you this. I and I need you guys I, I need you guys help on this. You know the little uh you know the little uh, external battery uh, packs you can, you can buy for cell phones? You know, got the USB port on them? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. well, all of them listed on eBay now are, are Amazon. Now, get this. Yeah, Amazon now. You know, Amazon, they're on Amazon. I'm going to pull it up a minute if you don't believe me. I'm going to pull it up. Don't laugh. Amazon's got a Simpson 260 for like 285 
All right, you ready for this? The little battery pack that I, that I ordered, it's got four USB ports on it, and we're going to run different cameras off that battery pack. That battery pack says it's 900,000 milliamp hours. 900,000? All, right. All right, I knew you were going to say that. I can run my house. Yeah, I, I knew you. Say, you is that hey, Chinese yen? Hey, I knew I knew you were going to say that, so I'm going to prove it to you. Every you sure listing, microamp hours. Every listing. Now, let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Let me just pull Amazon up since that's the one that we we trust. It's like that 2,000 watt bow thing. <laughs> well, I got I got to pin I got to pin his camera now just to see what he's talking about. All right, now. Hang on, we're gonna get there. I, I this has been bugging me the whole time, you know, nine hundred thousand milliamp hour battery, and I figure that ought to run all my cameras for a few years if I get them up there and if this thing will come down. Nine hundred amp hour battery. Yeah, it's gonna weigh as much as a Tesla. No, no, it, this thing only weighs just a few ounces. Nine hundred thousand milliamps. Boy, that's some power density right there. That's right, man. It's some new super lithium batteries. Uh, what's going on here? Let's see. I, I think you must have a uh, nuclear re uh, Mr. Fusion. I think. Yeah. 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 New diamond battery. <laughs> All right. I'm about to get it. I'm about to get it. I knew you wouldn't unbelieve me. I knew. I knew it. No, it's the new Chernobyl edition. There you go. I knew you were going to do it. All right, let's just look at it. I, 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 I may, it's going to take a minute to find a one-out order, but here we go. All right, I want you guys to look at this. Let me put it on here. All right. Now, here's one right here. This is a little small one. This one here is only 20, 25,000 milliamp hours. You see that right there? Mm-hmm. I mean, can, wait a minute, you don't see the milliamp hours on it. It's Hang on. 25 amp hours. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let me get it where you can see it. Well, now, we'll what does that what does that say up there? Twenty five thousand eight hundred. Twenty five thousand eight hundred milliamp milliamp amp hours. Milliamp hours. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that that's that's pretty big good capacity, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, look, you get a $3 coupon with it. Why do you not want to buy it? Yeah, 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 right. All right. Uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if they're, they're Here, taking... Here's another one. Here's, okay, here's one. This was this is a small one. This is a small one. Only 20,000 milliamp hours. Let's see if we can find a one I ordered. Um, 20,000. Uh, every one of them is listed like this. It's not like somebody made a mistake. 26,800 milliamp hours. Uh, I can't even guess what it's supposed to be. I mean... Uh, Did they you, take the, the milliamp hour ratings of each of the cells in there and literally add them up? I, I don't know what they did, but they you, you, see, you see my dilemma here. Um, the M may, may stand for micro instead of milli. Yeah, yeah microamp hour. Micro yeah, 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 maybe. Uh, let's see, twenty-six thousand million, twenty thousand, thirteen thousand. I want to see that at one million million. Twenty-six eight hundred. I could just go to your orders and 
pull up the device off your work. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, 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 yeah, that's a good idea. Let's but see. He doesn't can... want to see. He doesn't want us to see what else he's. Well, ordering. yeah, yeah, that's okay. Let's see. As long as he's not ordering from Wish. That's all right. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I think it's under. I don't know if I ordered it under Kathy or me. Heck, and it ain't in. It's not in the memory on this. Hang on. It's going to take me a minute to find it. It's going to take me a minute to find it. Uh, let's see. Make sure you post your uh, passwords so it's. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, I, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll see. <laughs> You're bad. You're bad, Bill. <laughs> I'm gonna head out, guys. Uh, All right, man. Enjoyed being on again. See you, Joe. Yeah. Hey, Joe. Take care. Good presentation Good tonight. Thank you. I bought a camera years ago on eBay, and you could hear somebody. Uh, typing a keyboard, the door opened up, and it was her husband saying, "I told you, yeah, yeah, that you need a better password for uh, your bank account. It's not one, two, three, four, five. Anybody can figure that out. Here's the actual password. Memorize it, and it was AC four three three eight." And he made the wife repeat it several times. Now, that's our bank account password. It's used for everything. Don't write it down anywhere. Don't give it to anybody. And meanwhile, he's recording the tape on this video cassette uh, camera uh, he bought, bought from it. Put the camera on it to record over the tape so what was on it would uh, be erased. But he didn't notice that he didn't know that he was recording all this. So... I was really tempted to write his wife and say, "Hey, I know your bank account uh, number. Your yeah, your yeah. Husband just gave it to me. <laughs> hey, Tom, I found yeah. it. Did you find the one? I yeah, it's a nine hundred thousand milliamp hour. It's a QI Q, uh, Quebec India wireless power bank backup portable charger for thirty eight dollars. Yeah, it's, it's, is, is it red? Is it a red one with four ports on the front? No, this one's black. Well, okay, but it's got four ports. You can, get it, you can just, get it in either color. You can get it in either color. So I, I just found one on Newegg that's $2 million. Uh, $2 million? Yeah, yeah. I should have ordered that one, man. I, yeah, let, you know. let me show you this. Hold on. Let me see. Hold on. Let's we got to back up here a minute. I heard the word wireless. In yeah, it. it's induction charging. Fair I was enough. just going to say, is this some new Tesla technology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Holy cow! Here you go. Here you go. Two two million milliamp hour power. Yeah. Now, now tell me, tell me what's going. Tell me what's going <laughs> on here. I can look understand. at the second line in the description. Five hundred million. Yeah, was that I, mega I, hey, amp hours? Five million. Five mega million there. Two mega million amp. there. So who knows what it was? I can understand the Chinese. Maybe you know a typo. The English. You know, maybe we weld instead of solder. Stuff like that. Maybe they made a mistake here. But two million. I mean, well, but I think, here's the thing. The every single battery. Is, no, every, I think what we're seeing is the result of common core math right here. Yeah, every <laughs> single battery is like that. That's not a typo with one guy. Every single battery is like that. I'm going I'm to order one of those and put it in my uh, Silverado truck just to start it. <laughs> yeah. You need the 1.21 gigawatt. Model. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they got it too there, man. Well, if you don't have the flux sure capacitor, it's not going to work anyway. Sure you don't speed in the truck when you do that. Oh, you don't, you don't have the flux capacitor to hook up to it. It's not going to help. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Go on well, Amazon and look for a flux capacitor. All right. Sorry it took so long, but I just had to prove that to you guys. You guys didn't believe me when I first told you that. You thought, hey, uh, you thought I was a little... called Think 
Think Geek that I actually ordered a flux capacitor that you plug in your cigarette lighter, and it looks like the real deal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. oh I this love one. Think Geek, man. They got cool stuff. This one's got. What do we got? Hey, uh, 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 Ron's holding one up. Which one? What are this one's got twenty-four thousand eight hundred. Uh, Stamped right on it. Twenty four thousand eight hundred milliamp hours. Yeah, I've got one that's twenty thousand. I carry you, with me all you the know, time. You wouldn't have to charge that about once a year. Well, no, that would t- that would say that if I was uh, if I got a uh, device that draws one amp, yeah, I could charge it for I could run it for twenty four hours. Yep. Mm, twenty four hours. Yeah, twenty four thousand milliamps is twenty four amps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so. That was twenty-four thousand, right? Yeah, twenty-four amps. That's still pretty hefty for a little battery like that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Bill. So my plan, my plan is, we're going to run the three hundred and sixty cameras, one aimed up, one aimed down. I got some short cables. We're going to power them. We're going to power them through that one gigawatt uh, battery, external battery. Uh, I've already tested my my uh, uh, sports cam in here. It'll record. I took it off out of the loop. It will record five hours. Uh, you know, before, okay. before some of those cameras they go for thirty minutes and then they stop. Yeah, I've got so, a camera. I've got a camera here. I was going to donate to the cause, and after twenty-seven minutes, it stops. So I right. ordered. I ordered another uh, uh, sports camera, and it will run five hours before the thirty-two gig card fills up. I think and if this you holds- tried seeing how long the put all the cameras on some of these uh, battery packs, if you exceed a certain current limit, they'll just uh, they'll just stop. They'll, well, if you look at if you look at that one giga giga amp battery that we were just looking at, it's got four ports and it shows each one of them. Uh, it shows two of them at two point one amps each, and the others are like at one point something amps each. So. I'm thinking I can run my cameras. I'm going to try it. I mean, you know, we're going to test it beforehand. Well, I know. I, I tried running my, one of my SkyTracker boards with a super cap on it, and the inrush current is so much that they, it just shuts those battery packs down. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, I was thinking, this little uh, 360 camera here, you can also set it up for front front view only, you know, and uh, it's got an HDMI output on it, and I'm thinking, hey, I might just put this on a tripod. And uh, use it here on the show and see what kind of picture I can get. You know, it's probably probably a little wide angle. You know, I'll see which one I've got here. Probably wide angle. Let's see. So it's heavy. It's actually a little heavy too. To tell you the truth, I don't I don't know what that weighs, but I'm hoping that we can keep our payload under two pounds, two and a half pounds when we fly our balloon. Um. You're going to have to call this balloon Big Bertha. Well, you know, we went with a bigger balloon. This balloon, I don't know if we'll hit a, I don't know if we'll hit a hundred thousand or not. It might be pushing it. The balloon, the the average pop on this particular balloon says one hundred to one hundred ten thousand. Now we may we may lose it at ninety. Depending I don't know. How much weight. Yeah, depending, depending on the weight. weight it, I think. Uh, I think it says uh, like four four pounds or something. I'm hoping we come in. I'm hoping we come in about two pounds or so, and uh, 
I'll, I'll give you a link uh, where you can predict that uh, the UK High Altitude Society on their predict uh, website. There's actually a balloon burst program that you can uh, click on and for all that data with that size balloon, and it'll tell you. Uh, and it's pretty, it's reasonably accurate. Mm -hmm. It's plus or minus 5,000 feet, but that'll give you a pretty good idea. So I was talking to Spot, or Find Me Spot today. Uh, I know that, uh, let's see, we got we get a uh, person today. You, you make sure you set it up or that it <clears throat> defaults to the 24 hour update where the status update every 24 hours. Set it up for two and a half minute up, updates as well. Yeah, yeah we'll, there's a little, we'll have to so spend to uh, take yeah. the screws off, and uh, then you, there's a little program you download to configure it. So you have to configure it for the update rate and whether you want that status. Yeah, it's going to the two and a half minute is going to cost us an extra six dollars and twenty five cents a month. But we're we'll be on a month to month uh, instead of a a contract. Okay. So if we only use it one month, and then you know we pay for one month, and then four months later, if we want to use well, it, I do I do so many flights, I do the yearly yeah. thing, which is actually cheaper. But if you're doing yep. this the month to month, do they charge you an activation fee? Uh, one time, one time activation. Whether you stop it, start it, rest it from then on, no no other okay. activation fee. There is a That's twenty-four for the flex planner is a twenty-four dollar per year charge, in addition to the twelve dollar per month. So, uh -huh. but it's still it's still very reasonable, and and I was talking to the lady about it today, and the specs say it only works at twenty-one thousand feet below. She said that was she. She was pretty sure that was because of temperature at twenty one thousand. It probably wouldn't work. Uh, I'm hoping that's the case, but uh, because we're going to have it insulated and inside the styrofoam, so I don't think the temperatures are going to get low. Uh, well, so it uh, might it might work higher. It, it, Sometimes they work higher, but usually they drop out about forty thousand feet. Okay, and they don't come back on until you're below forty. But the whole reason for them is that it will give you the final landing spot right. from the ground. It right. goes up to the global star. It uses the global star satellite system. Yeah, and you know there are cheaper trackers <laughs> out there that use the uh, 4G cell network, but I don't trust those. Yeah. Well, to, to, if you're in a remote area and you're not near a cell tower, then they're not going to work. Yeah. Well. Yeah. This, this wherever you are, you could land on the North Pole. If you're on an ice cap or polar bear, yeah. and it would send up to the satellites. That's right. You, you know, and when we go, I, I, all kinds of things are going through my mind. Like when this when this thing comes down, 38 minutes down. I mean, we should have a pretty good with the predictions. We should have a pretty good idea of where it's going to kind of where it's going to be at out there, and we're going to be heading that way. We'll have some advanced parties out there watching for it, and they'll also have access to the satellite map. Um, but you know, I, here's my fear: it's going to come down on Interstate 40, and it's going to hook on top of an 18-wheeler, and we're going to see that sucker. We're going to see that sucker at 20 feet above the ground, doing 80 miles an hour heading east. And we're no, gonna you're just going to see it go dead center into a lake. We're going to have to. We're going to have to chase chase that guy down, that 18-wheeler down, man. Well, I'll tell you stories, but I don't know if I want to scare you. 
<laughs> oh boy. We we actually have hit a car. Well, one of my friends in Kansas hit a car on the interstate. Oh boy. I know. Oh, don't tell me it was a Mercedes and it was an eight thousand dollar dent. It cost him seventy dollars to fix the small crack in the guy's windshield. No oh, man. The guy was very nice about it. He said he was just driving around all of a sudden, whomp. <laughs> he thought it was a bird. Yeah. He pulled up and saw the parachute and <coughs> saw the sign. Well, that that's my fear that it's gonna come down in a populated area. You know, I, I don't Now I had one I had one come down in the middle of the Ohio River and I figured that was a total loss. And so we we're going to go down to the next bridge. Down. We figured out the uh, current flow of the Ohio River at the time. And we found a bridge that would it would float under about an hour after it splashed down. So we drove to that bridge. And on the way, I got a phone call. And this guy was on a houseboat in the middle of the Ohio River and says, and he was kind of drunk. He was having a big party, and he goes, uh, "We found something of yours. We saw a parachute in the water. We pulled it out, thinking it was some skydiver that splashed down and he was in trouble. And we pulled out your payload, and it had your number on it. Mm-hmm. And we good. got it back. That's good. Oh, oh man. Well. We had one land in Boston Harbor." And we had all our DF, this was before GPS, they were, we had a big DF group in New Hampshire and Massachusetts at the time, and they loved to chase these, and they said, all our beam headings are pointing towards the Boston Lighthouse, I'm afraid this one splashed down, the Boston Harbor Lighthouse, and I got a phone call about a half hour later from a guy, he said it splashed down right next to a speedboat, he stopped the boat, pulled it in, and it started beeping at him, so he threw it right back <laughs> into the water, thinking it was a bomb. Oh. Then he saw the reward sign, and he says, how many people would put a reward sign on a bomb? So he decided to risk it and pull it back in, and I got it back, and uh, half the board is green. Because hmm. salt water and electronics do not yeah. mix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... Well, Bill, we're waiting on stuff to come in. Uh, I've got the balloons. Uh, I've got a couple of cameras. I'm waiting on the 900,000 milliamp hour battery. Uh, I'm waiting on the parachute. The parachute has been shipped. Uh, uh, what uh, did you get it from uh, that link you sent me? Or yeah, did you we, buy it from? yeah, I went, I, we went with sci- what was it, is it scientific yeah, balloons. Did they? Uh, did you read the fine print that they only had blue ones? Yeah, I saw that. Yep, yep. That's not going to be real easy to see. <laughs> well, I like neon orange and neon. You yellow. know, I, I wanted okay. to order the orange and, and white striped ones, uh, but they were about three times as much money. Plus, they had a little footnote that says they're out of orange and white. So I think they oh. said I think they said you're going to get blue or something like that. So didn't anyway. you paint same it? company? What was that? Must be you paint it. That add a little weight, but you could. Um, this is ripstop nylon, so I mean it's good yeah. quality stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, I found that that combination of uh, floor, you know. 
fluorescent orange and fluorescent yellow really stands out because that's something you don't really see in nature too much unless you've landed on a flamingo farm with pink everywhere well hey what about Uh, what about us hanging a bunch of orange and white streamers on it when it goes up and that way they sell they sell that they sell that so when it lands in a cornfield these streamers lay out across all the corn, and you can find it. Well, let me tell you about cornfields. If uh, the corn's very high, you can actually walk down yeah. within one corn row of the payload and never see it. Right, right. That's why they sell streamers to put on there. We, we had a cam- live TV camera on one that landed in a 10-foot-tall cornfield, and we just went through. I had my little portable TV camera. And you can see a corn stalk. And all of a sudden, I saw a tennis shoe. And I said, whoever's got the red tennis shoe, stop now. You're right next to it. And they did not see it until they went over. I told them which way to turn yep. based on the camera view. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, we've got, uh, we've got about nine minutes until we, we, <laughs> we, uh, uh, our show ends on shortwave. Let's see who we got. Let's see who we got in here. Uh, let's see if we got any new people in here. I, I see Ron in here. I see Dave. Uh, who else is Who else is in here? Raise your hand if you're new. Yeah, if, if this is the first time you joined us, okay. John, yeah, four Z. Hey, John. On the wall back there. How you doing, Tom? Everybody you're doing good. And where Where are you, John? Rock Hill, South Carolina, just mm-hmm. south of Charlotte, about okay. twenty miles. All right, Charlotte, Charlotte. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, Bob, N3OAW, he's new. Yeah. Um, and I see Tim in there. I see our friend Tim, WB8HRO, uh, uh, Ham Radio Outlet. He needs to sell that call to them, get a million dollars for it, you know. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, hey, uh, let me just make a quick announcement. If you're listening on shortwave on WBCQ, Shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're uh, new in the chat room there, please hit the subscribe button uh, on the uh, YouTube uh, channel. We'd love for you to do that. That helps us out in our rankings. Uh, our next ham fest is going to be in August. Well, we're in June now. Is it June, July? Oh, man, it's not very far away. No, August, it's not uh, far off at all. Not far off. Wait. August will be down in Huntsville, Alabama. That's going to be cool. And in September, I'm going to uh, a new ham fest uh, in Sevierville, Tennessee, and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. They're they're combining those areas there, two ham fests into one. And uh, I'm going to be over there uh, with them. Uh, that's uh, September 25th. Huntsville is August something, eight, I don't know, 18, 21st 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 something uh, in August, but you can uh, you can go to you can go to uh, 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 Huntsville Hamfest site. Just call uh, Hamfest.org. Hamfest.org, and, yeah. And you can uh, you can get that. Let's see, Tom. Twenty first and twenty second. Yeah. yeah, we'll be there. We're already signed up, already uh, ready to go. All right, man. We'll be glad to see you there. And. Um, it's been a long time since we've, uh, you know, seen each other with all the closings here. It's going to be an interesting new layout there. They're going to have a lot more room. I, I would think, uh, Ron, I would think that Huntsville might could even be bigger this year than it has been in other years. Uh, no ham fest for two years. There may be a lot of people wanting to go. 
What they're going to do is, in order to, you know, nobody knew exactly what was going on and what yep. was going to be open and what was going to be closed and, and everything like that. So in order to space the tables further apart, they're going to be using the whole room instead of having right. sort of part of it closed off. Right. That that um, that wall that they usually pull shut after setup. Yep. Is going to be open, and they're going to use the entirety of the space. Yep. Well, there you go. There's a floor plan layout. Uh, if you look here on the very right side, you got the stage, and we're going to be right next to the stage on the very end there, and where all those chairs are. Uh, like Ron is saying, that's all new area that's being expanded right there to to give a whole lot more room. So it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I remember way back in the day they had that back room as well yeah there you go i had the picture here anyway Nine hundred thousand milliamp hour i just i knew i had the picture loaded here and tom i bet you could find a one million milliamp hour battery at huntsville hampus well i might yeah, could. get away from the table first i might i might could uh it just depends on how you know i need a one million milliamp battery that is about the size of a cell phone, though. That's what I need. That way I can... Yeah, we'll get the Hamfest booth going here in the background. Yeah. 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 On the yeah. forums there, uh, I think I'm at 10 a.m. on Saturday and Bill's at noon, so you got time to do both of our forums this time around. Man, That's you know, good. here's my problem. Here, If you guys can get somebody to record it, we can, we can put it on the channel, but... People always ask me about you know going to these forums. If I go to every forum there, I don't get to see the ham fest or do anything. Uh, yeah, that's why I asked mine to be early in the morning. Yeah, yeah. So I can get out and do the ham fest myself. That's, yeah, me too. But again, if if we can get in in like at Dayton and places, I've had friends that helped us a little bit. They actually went into the forums for us and set up a camera and you know recorded the forum and then then we can play it or parts of it back. You know. Well, uh, you can record mine, but since I yeah. do it usually with a PowerPoint, we can just play the PowerPoint yep, here. Yeah, yep, yep. and you could do that here. You could do it here one night, one night too. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, let's see. Uh, we need an advanced tracking team. I don't know who, where all our vi our viewers are right here. If you're in Western Tennessee, we could use a couple of volunteers to help uh, look for this. Uh, balloon when it comes down although we're hoping it comes down within 30 or 40 miles of memphis so that may be a, a long ways from you just be careful um you might have to move your uh, launch site a little east because you don't want to get across into arkansas which it can do in july and august uh you can get it it'll go farther west than east well, and with the 40 bridge being out, it may take you a while to get over yeah. to recover. Well, it, it may. It may. And you that. know what? That's a good point. Maybe we have a team lined up over there on that side of the river. I mean, there is a bridge to go over there, but it could delay you maybe an hour in driving. Um, so uh, that's a good idea. We'll try to have uh, some local hands. What, what, we, what we often do uh, is we have the predicted landing zone figured out that morning or the night before and we send uh, a couple people to that spot to wait for it yeah we may change our launch 
point because where I've been launching is right in the center of the uh, approach path to the Memphis airport. I mean, the planes well, fly, the planes yeah. will fly directly over us here. Uh, again, flying the, the the size we are in the FAA regulations, we don't we don't have, we could, we could launch from there, but I think it's just good practice to try to move out of that vector where we're not in well, the, in the flight path. Close and on the approach, you probably want to actually contact the tower if you want to yeah. fly from there. Right. Well, and that's um, what we're that's what we're going to do. We're going to file the. Uh, they'll tell you. Yeah. They'll tell you when when the minimum air traffic is. Yeah. If you're fixed on that side. Well, we're going to file and uh, note them with them, and I'm sure that we'll be calling them, you know, before we launch. But we're thinking about moving our launch site somewhere that's outside of that meridian where the planes come in. So just get outside of that. We're about go, go we're about ten miles. Location. What was that, Bill? Glenn's got a good. Look, Glenn's no, probably. I'm on, the, I'm on the north south path. Yeah, they're uh, right over uh, my house too. And we're about ten miles out, so you know anything under, I mean. Yeah, I'm probably only five miles out. Yeah, yeah, but so I, you know we may go, Glenn. We may go up to like uh, Shelby Farms or something, and that would kind of get north of. Uh, yeah, north the airport, and north mm -hmm. and east. We're, we get you. Make sure the wind's going the right direction. Yeah, or we may go out to Somerville to the little airport out at Somerville and launch but, or something. Uh, yeah, I drive past the 55 exit to, to get on the I-55 bridge, and it is just wall-to-wall -wall traffic during rush hour. So you do not want to go across that bridge. Now, yeah. I will say we've launched from a lot of small airports, just a little small private airports, and they'll work with you, and they'll work with the air traffic going around when you make the launch. Well, and, and that's, that's why I mentioned... Often they'll give you a hangar to work yeah. out of. So well, that's a good good thought. That's why I mentioned Somerville. There's a uh, airport out there. There's no tower. It's just a little little airport. It's like I don't know. It's like 25 miles northeast of here or something. It's a good ways uh, out of here uh, to the north and east. Uh, I'll contact maybe the manager out there, the airport manager, and and you know maybe we can gas up in a hangar or something. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's uh, 10 o'clock. I want to say uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening on uh, WBCQ. Uh, we're glad uh, we you you joined us tonight. This, ro this program was about ham radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week, Thursday afternoon on Shortwave, and join us Tuesday night, uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on uh, YouTube.com slash W5KUB. All right. So, officially... The 50,000 watts just went off. Hey, Tom, can yeah. we uh, get each person that's on right now to yeah. give a shout-out of where they're located? Yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. We'll stick around for a while. Let's start. Let's see. We've already had uh, – John's already told us he's down in South Carolina. Who's who's next on the list? How about I'm Mac? Where, where's yeah, Mac, Mac from there? I'm yeah. – uh, I'm in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Ron's already told us he's down in South Carolina. Who's, who's next on the list? How about Mac? Okay. Uh, let's see. I I'm need to mute. I'm in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Let me see if I can mute. Uh, let's see. Did somebody mute uh, him? Yeah, let's
Yeah, Lester was. Uh, you yeah, were telling us getting the YouTube audio you, in, so I, I muted you, him. Sorry you beat, that, you beat me to it. I couldn't find the mute button. Okay, we'll get Lester back in here in a minute. So, Stone Mountain, huh? Roger. Um, Stone Mountain, I, isn't that over near uh, Sevierville and uh, uh, Pigeon Forge over that way? Or no, wait, that's, that's on down south. Atlanta. It's on it's down it's south, out, isn't it? It's outside of Atlanta. Oh, that's right. That's right. What am I thinking of, uh, Bill, uh, up around Pigeon Forge? There, there's some bluff or some mountain up there or something. Anybody know? Um, Dollywood. <laughs> There's Dollywood's there, right? You know, I don't know. Okay. Well, hey, hey, Mac, uh, good to I have you. I think it's Sevierville, yeah. Good to, good to have you. There, there's the Smokies. Yeah. yeah, there's something up there. I forget what it is, man. Let's see. Oh, let's see. Oh. Yeah, who's are, you, are you in Gwinnett County, Mac? Uh, no, and just right up next to it. Uh, I'm in DeKalb uh, County. I'm, I'm about, okay, I've worked, uh, about a I've, mile about a mile north of the carving on the stone mountain oh wow i um i did uh i visited the radio club there at uh Gwinnett amateur radio club yeah i'm a member there right. i always enjoy the show I, I i don't always have anything to contribute but enjoy the show and uh taking care of the ants and so forth well good man we I don't know if the ants are going to follow us next or not. It's going to be a really dangerous mission. You know, <laughs> sounds like I, it. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried when this sucker pops at about a hundred thousand. That chute may not open till it gets down. I don't know, Bill. How far is it going to fall before that chute might open? It actually opens uh, almost immediately, Does but it? it doesn't do much. It can go about. It can go over a hundred miles an hour at first. Uh, I always put an embroidery hoop in the shroud line so it doesn't tangle all up. That's a little hint that over the years I found that that helps. All right. Um, We'll uh, we'll try to work that into this. Uh, And you're going to, let's see, Anthony, I think. Let's see, Jim's joined us. Let me get Jim in here. All right. yeah, well, you, you're going to help us tremendously with all the little uh, uh, hints and kinks that we need to to know about and put in here. Um, I'm going to jump out of here, gentlemen. Okay. I got to get to bed and get up for work tomorrow morning. So I'm not not retired yet. So I got to <laughs> get back to uh, get back to work tomorrow. All right, Alan. Thanks, man. Hey, great right. great presentation tonight on the 260. Enjoyed all right. it. All right. Absolutely. See, See you, you later. Seven, See you later. Yeah, Tom, we couldn't sell my 260 or your 260 to Glenn, so uh, I That's guess right. we have to yeah. negotiate a lower price. Yeah, yeah. I love the 260, though. It's uh, You know, I grew up, it, as I mentioned, my uh, uncle was the only TV repairman in, like, the entire county. And uh, that's where I got all my parts. He had hundreds, not a few, but hundreds of junk TVs. So if I needed a transformer or a tube or a socket, you just drill it out. Capacitors, resistors, coils, tubes. Anything. But see, back then we used tubes, guys. We don't, you know, nowadays you don't use tubes, but anything, man. But anyway, he had a Simpson 260, man. He'd go out on his service calls, or he'd be he'd be there in the floor of the, the TV shop, and that 260 was the workhorse, man. It was it was a great meter. 
And it still and reminds me. Rigs, it still reminds me of him, you know. It, a lot of those rigs used TV sweep tubes. A lot of what rigs? Yeah, some rigs did. Rigs back some then, rigs they did, and and there were for the finals. there were article, there were uh, you know uh, building articles about building linears with the sweep tubes uh, too. Yeah. You know, I never I never did use a sweep tube in a in an amplifier. My uh, FTDX five hundred and sixty, the ASU had sweep tubes in it. Yeah, and they burned yeah. out quite a bit. <laughs> they did yeah. what? They went out. Yeah, they would, they would burn out. <laughs> I always liked the rigs with the with a pair of sixty one forty sixes in it. Yes. Yeah, I almost couldn't hurt those that suckers. That was my favorite. Yeah, that was those that were was good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think those I'm are in the bike too. too, guys. I okay. gotta go to work in the morning. All right, Glenn. Glenn. We'll catch you next we'll time. We'll see you, Glenn. See you, Glenn. Good night. Seventy three. Call you out the door. Seventy three. All right. Glad when, you got when, when my uh, about a vacuum tube, when, when my daughter, who's uh, going to be 30 later this month, was uh, about 17, 16, 17, there was a discussion going on around the table about old technology with, you know, some friends who were over. And uh, I, we were talking about, uh, about tubes. And I looked at my daughter and I said, do you know what a vacuum tube is? You know, I just sort of wanted to see if younger people know. And like I said, she was maybe 17 at the time. And she said, of course I do. It's what mom puts on the sweeper to do the stairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> vacuum tube. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, gentlemen, I've got to take my leave as well. i got to get up and work in the morning. As well. So you all have a good night, 73, and thanks for letting Thank me join. You. Okay, okay, man. Hey, see you next week. Uh, join us yes, next sir. week, man. All right, let's Enjoyed see. it. Seven three. Uh, oh man, yep. Hey, I love the tube days. Of course, that means I'm really an old guy now. But uh, talk about building stuff, man. We, you know, I had the parts. It was like I had my own private radio shack. I could go into any day, any part I needed. It was there. I built a, um, a really nice transmitter, CW transmitter with. Nothing but TV parts, yep. Uh, old scrap parts, and uh, I had them all wired together in a big ball uh, with just the wires hooked together with fine stock clips. And I had a 600 volt transformer on it. And one day I brushed that with my arm, and it just went up in a ball of sparks and flame. <laughs> uh, yeah. I tell you, I, I I built an amplifier. I think I had three eight thirteens, and I put them in an amplifier. I and you, you know what? I I, I used oh eight thirteens are good too. Yeah, I had three. I had put three of them in there. You know, and uh, I used a TV transformer. You, you you take an old color TV. You know, they were really they were really power hungry. The color TV. You take an old color TV, pull that big transformer out, and uh, I mean it was it was big. And, uh, you you know, I don't even remember the voltages now, but it may have been like, you know, what, eight, nine hundred, maybe even 900 volts each side of center tap, you know. So, you know, 1,800 volts right there. And, and if you use that transformer, if you use that transformer just for the high voltage and you didn't use the 5 volt, you know, or, or, or the 6 volt uh, leads on it, uh, you could run that transformer at a lot more current just by not pulling that the current off that five volt lead and the six volt leads. And uh, man, 
You know, nowadays, I mean, you want a transformer nowadays, you're going to pay two, three hundred dollars just for a transformer, you know, if you wanted to build something like that. Hey, um, let's see, James, are you with us? WD8IOL? I see he's on the Zoom call. He, I just uh, came down from Findlay, Ohio, and I see he's up in Toledo. So okay. that's not too far away. I'm trying to. Who was it that said he was in Stone Mountain? Hey, hey, you know what? Uh, uh, Stone Stone Mountain. I think he left. Yeah, he he checked yeah. out a minute ago. Hey, we got we've got Dave. Hey, we got Dave Mountain in here. Fest. Hey, we have we have Dave in here. Uh, w. Uh, no, no, no. KC nine. Uh, what is it? VVJ, isn't it? Is that right? Uh, yep. Yep. Okay, I can't hardly read the screen on on that from that far away. But hey, Dave, uh, Dave gave us this great presentation, you know, uh, last week or the week before uh, about the high altitude balloons, and and uh, Dave, I, I think you and Bill may have uh, talked before or worked together on something or. Well, we've, Bill's, uh, we've exchanged emails a few times over the years. I, I don't have nearly as many flights as he do. He does. But I might be the only one that's ever hit a uh, wind turbine on the way down. So, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're, uh, where, where are you uh, in Indiana? Uh, South Bend, up in the north part. Okay. So, so, so let me South. let me ask you two guys. You know how in a lawnmower you get out there and you get this piece of uh, 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 nylon cord and it wraps around the blade and it just stops the lawnmower. You know, and then you have to turn it upside down. And you have to cut it and dig it out. You know. What happens when all this rope hits the uh, uh, windmill, man? You know, does it? Will it stop the oh. windmill? Will it? Stop, <laughs> you know, is there no, thing? I don't think. No, <laughs> when we uh, when we actually that was a flight where our advanced team uh, saw the balloon pop at a hundred thousand feet. They could see it with their binoculars, and then wow. they, they went after it and that, and they were within half a mile, and it was twelve hundred feet off the ground, and they turned their head to follow the road then when they looked back it was not there and uh so the blade blade just really whacked it good and when you it's amazing to me we went out right underneath the blade trying to find parts uh because we had uh the biology department at school put some bacteria as an experiment on the thing and we wanted to get yeah. it out of the cornfield but those things are huge and that it's but you know I, you you would think it's turning pretty slow isn't it yeah, well, it just seems that way because they're big. But when you're underneath it, I I guess it still is turning slow. But yeah, it's a lot of power behind. A them. lot of power, just a huge amount of power. Wow, I've landed them on power lines before, yeah. and uh, we've had the payloads short out and just burst into flames. And sometimes <laughs> uh, they're okay, but it's not fun. And even in uh, like a thousand acre field. I'll find a tree, the only tree sitting out there. <laughs> uh, that, that's why I was uh, telling Tom and the team uh, last week was, my guess is you'll, chances are you're going to wind up in a tree. And you'll, you won't have much trouble finding it, but you're going to have trouble getting it down. <laughs> I have a tree yeah. sensor in mine, and uh, my solution for that is, is uh, college students. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, I've got some. Yeah, I got. Hey, I, I've got balloon get friends that have. You know, they 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 do the balloons professionally, 
And they say they, they always carried a chainsaw with them, but I'm not sure that would be a good idea. We've got, I've got one of my team members. He's chased uh, all my balloons for many years, and uh, he's a search and rescue guy. He's got a, uh, an inflatable raft. He's got chainsaws, tree climbing equipment, and the uh, snake bite kit. In fact, one of the ones landed on a tree on top of a mountain, and on a way up there, he passed two rattlesnakes. Mm. Then the tree, it was 120 feet in the tree, and he just threw the ropes up there and climbed right up. Now, we were in Georgia, however, and it landed 120 feet up in the tree, and it was on a farmer's field, a ranch, uh, farmer there, and he goes, he looked at it and says, I don't mind if you cut that tree down. I got a chainsaw on the barn. Oh, great. So he went and got the chainsaw. We we sawed it down. 90-foot tree comes down. Walk right up and pull the payloads out of the top. And then he says, do you all mind sawing it about yeah. two-foot length and stacking it up near the barn? Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. he basically sawed it big tree up and supplied him with firewood for the rest of the winter. And then on the way out, he says, we just had a bumper crop of okra, which I don't like. Yeah. And he was selling it for $10 a bag, which every carload felt obligated to buy from him. And on the way out, he says, audio. y'all come back again, you hear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. All right. Oh. Yeah, we had, we had one where the, they landed in a tree, and uh, there was a family who was on vacation in Florida, and uh, they actually rented um, cherry pickers. And so it literally landed in the tree right up above the cherry picker. But we didn't know it because they were on vacation until they finally came back. That was pretty convenient. We had one land in um, near Georgia in uh, Kennesaw. And they knocked on the front door of the fellow's house. It was 60 feet up in this tree right at the edge of the street. And he says, well, you know, I'm the fire chief. We're going to have a little uh, fire ex- exercise. Yep. So he called all the, the tanker. He brought the tanker up, set it in, there in front of his house, <laughs> and they got the bucket, and they went up in the tree, picked the payload out, and came back down. So you, that you, was lucky. You know, hey, the fire department, let me tell you, you know, hey, I, I was lucky I had my, 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 my own personal radio shack, and my dad was the chief of the volunteer fire department for like, 40 years and uh, my first uh, two, six meter beam I built uh, the fire department came over and put it up for me now I'm going to tell you two stories that might cons- make you a little worried about your oh, life no. okay. I helped, uh, helped Joe Mineshine WB9SBD launch, uh, he launched boom from um, Wisconsin and I was down in northern Illinois near Rockford and we were monitoring it, and we had a telescope, and we could see the burst and see the payloads, everything through the telescope. You can actually see them if you're within five or ten miles of it. You can actually see it as a shining star with the naked eye. Uh, but we did a little calculation from where that burst point was, and says, you know, it's heading for a very uh, a good area to land as far as landing something coming down from the sky, but a very bad area. And can you guess where that might be? I'm guessing, an, I'm guessing an airport. 
uh, in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which airport? <laughs> Maybe O'Hara. It yeah. landed about 10 feet from the main jet runway at O'Hare International. Yeah. So our chase, the, his chase team showed up there, talked to the security guys, got them excited. So they drive them out. It's getting towards dark now. It's dark. And they see it in the headlights uh, on the other side of the main jet runway. Well, the security guys didn't call the tower first before crossing the runway. And as they did, they noticed the 747 landing lights just about ready to land on top of them. So they swoop over, the jet lands, they scoop up the payloads, run back to the main gate, handed it to the rest of the chase crew, and the security guy says, we're taking a very long coffee break. I would advise you guys to to head home as quick as possible. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, man. Yeah. All right, well, it's definitely going to be fun. Um I'm looking for the excitement of trying to get there and get under it and, and watch it come down. I don't know if that's going to be possible. Uh, as as um, Dave has said, I mean, it's going to come we, down probably. Uh, it's going to come down in trees or something. It's going to come down away. It's not going to land on the road right in front of the truck. I can tell you that right now. Well, I'll tell you. Um about 30 years ago, I launched one from the Dara Club at W8BI in Dayton, and uh, we were right on it, and uh, no GPS then. We used DF, and the lead pickup truck, it bounced off the bed of his truck. He tried to catch it in the bed of his truck, bounced off and ended up the ditch, but that was as close as we ever came to actually catching one in a vehicle. However, there was a group in Idaho that just in the last couple of years ran out in the field and grabbed it before it hit the ground, wow. parachuting down from 100,000 feet. I've come within 50 feet, and I tripped yeah. over a right. or something. Well, look, hey, if you guys, if anybody has a Discovery Channel, if you've ever watched Expedition Unknown with uh, Josh Gates, check out Season eight episode seven season eight episode seven where he's down in the bermuda triangle and they're trying to solve the mysteries of the bermuda triangle uh and to do that they're in a boat and these college kids launch a weather balloon with the payload like we're talking about launching and you know they're going to measure they're going to measure magnetic flux and all that stuff to see what's going on you know in the bermuda triangle at different altitudes anyway so Josh is there looking at it, and they, they fill that sucker up, and they let it go, man. And, you know, the styrofoam box and everything, it goes up. And, uh, and then the, the, uh, the kid there uh, on the laptop, he starts saying, it's at 50,000 now. It's at 60,000, and Josh is going crazy, man. And, and then it's, a hundred, it's, pick, it's it burst any minute. And uh, they, were, they, they had the speedboat they were in had four. Uh, I guess four of the outboard V8 engines on it, four V8s on this sucker, and uh, so this thing's starting to come down, and they're cutting across the water uh, there at the Bermuda Triangle and actually get into the Gulf, and uh, they actually see it coming down, and they get very close, man. I mean, it was a real exciting chase, as they were the boat was having to turn and change directions, you know, as it was coming down. But they got very close to it. I imagine they got within a few hundred yards of it. 
And then to top it all off, Josh gets to dive in to the water to save it. Season 8, Episode 7. I've seen, I've seen that. We did a, a rocket on a balloon. It was a 400-pound rocket on a super large balloon. And um, when it came down, uh, we thought it was going to be lost. We were on a barge uh, 100 miles out in the Gulf of Mexico. No, nothing out there but a few fishing boats. And uh, so we called it a loss because it landed about 11 miles away, and we figured... Uh, we'd never find it out there in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. Well, the captain of the boat said, uh, do you all want your experiment back? I said, what are you talking about? Well, my sister ship, uh, part of the same company, it landed right next to their boat. They immediately pulled it in, and it's sitting on the deck of their boat. Do you want it back? <laughs> mm, that's cool. All right, guys, who we got here? Hey, Anthony, hello, Anthony. I see you're in there. You made it, man. How you doing tonight? Well, Tom, thank you for allowing me to be able to get in. I'm glad to see how technology does work when it does. But, it does. Uh, other than that, I'm glad to see partial of the capsule crew is still with us this evening. All um, right. you have an idea when you're all going to be setting up, to, launching your balloon? I don't and know. I'm it's going to take a little time. I've got to check these 360 cameras out and figure out how they work them first. And, uh, you know, and we've got to figure this thing out. There's a lot of figuring. Bill's going to help us figured out hey just want to tell you something man my son is changing apartments and i think he's getting one that has a fence and a backyard in it and a tree so i told him about you you run an off-center fed dipole along your fence and you check into the net every week oh you can pass on my email address my phone number i'll be more than happy to uh send him I believe if the, the friend of mine that put, helped me put my antenna up in my in my house, mm -hmm. he gave me the details of the antenna, the parameters and how to build it and how to test it and what you need to do. Uh, I would be more than happy to share it with him. All right, all right. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll be able to get a little bit more antenna out there. Hey guys, I forgot to do this. I was going to do this tonight. I was going to give away a prize tonight. I I just picked this out of a thin air. I was going to give away an MFJ two-position antenna switch with lightning protection on it, but I forgot to do it, so we'll probably do it next week. That's nice. We'll do it next week. I uh, have one of those. Uh, yeah, I, we'll either do that next week, or maybe I'll do the 300-watt dummy load or something. We'll, we'll, we're going to start doing some more prizes. If Katie hey, had, Tom. Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Um, Dennis is in Las Vegas. Uh, Dennis, you're on amateur television, right? Well, I don't have a uh, a transmitter online right now, but uh, I've been checking in with the ATN group, which is presently going on. I've been checking uh, in with them on their whereby uh, internet feed. So uh, I do need can to get you, uh, Can you share in the chat? Do you know how to do the chat here, of, of that link, the Zoom chat here? Can you send a link to that whereby that we can listen in? Uh, they have an amateur television group in uh, Southern California and Arizona and Los and uh, Nevada that is very active, really interesting to watch. It's run the net is just phenomenal how it's uh, run, and so uh, they're using something called Whereby, right, Dennis? Correct. So uh, if you can send that in the chat link, it is really. 
unfortunately, they hold at the same time as your show, Tom. But yeah. uh, I, I have. My chat is dis- disabled at this time. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, it says chat disabled. All right. I, 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 yeah. I don't know what to think when people, other people, have things that conflict with our show. I thought everybody <laughs> knew not to let that happen, man. Even if they've been doing it for years, when we came on, they should. Well, now they have several they, nets during the they week, should though, cease, so yeah. cease. they they still have. Uh, we have a Sunday and, and also a Tuesday. Yeah, a and Sunday besides, and we uh, we're a multitasking society here. Yeah. Tom, I like that view of your like, shack there. You like that view right there? Yeah. Well, during the we show, I, during the show, I'm pretty busy. Off. You know, during, you, you know, it may look like I'm I'm not paying attention to to our guests. And it's probably because I'm doing this or this or over here or or working <laughs> working this right here or trying to line up, you know, stuff. But. Uh, yeah, sometimes... Um, it's like playing a musical instrument. Yeah, sometimes it gets busy. Yeah, sometimes it does. Hey, Tom, i got a question to ask you. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm going to have to rewind it and watch it from the beginning. But did you, were you able to do talk about the antenna, the, the, the tree antenna? We did. We talked about that tonight, and I had a little video of us building the coal and everything. Uh, the, the results were this right here. Uh, if you look at the the the, the four the top two are antennas. That's an OCF antenna like you've got on 40 and 20. It did pretty good. If you look at the next picture down, uh, 40 meters with the tree as antenna versus 40 meters no tree. With the tree, it had maybe three times the number of stations across the country. And on 20 meters, the first one is a tree, and the second one is no tree. And again, it with the tree, it covered nearly all the United States. Without the tree, it covered just a few spots in the, uh, the southeast here. So, and, and of course, we've got pictures there of the, the coal. But yeah, I mean, you know, it wasn't scientific. I need to pull more data out, but... Uh, we did kind of show that um, you know the the tree did help it a little bit. Were you able to make any contacts? You know, I didn't really make any contacts. I didn't have a lot of time that day. Those are just whisper uh, uh, reception reports. Within, and, and, and I think as we that's, were as we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. if he can find the same receive station. Yeah, uh, you know, close in time to the tree and no tree, you can probably it'll quantify within a few dB right. of how much improvement it gave you. So, yep, yep. And I, I can, have a I question, Tom. That. What was that? I said I have a question. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. All right. Uh, the, the where you put it on the tree, okay? You got that specific result. If you raise it up maybe another five or six feet, would yeah. you have a different pattern? Well, and that's where that's where we would like to have uh, a lot of staff that can help us with all that. We, we did not try that. We we um, we just compared it with uh, almost uh, equal height away from the tree versus equal height on the tree, 
But I'm sure it could have made some difference whether it was higher or lower. And, you know, we could have drove a ground rod in the ground and grounded uh, that side of that uh, tuner uh, and coil. That would have probably made things different, of course, ground wave and stuff. So who knows? But, Bill, why don't you build one and put it up here? You got you got trees out there. and Put one out in your backyard. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, man. Hey, you know when they're tapping the maple trees, just have them yep. tap, you know, a nice uh, metal stake in one. Right. Well, guys, it's ten thirty. Used, used to have fourteen. Huh. Um, oh, I, my neighbor used to tap about twenty maple trees in my backyard in New Hampshire. Hmm. It's ten thirty. I need to get off here. Um, All right. And um, chill out, maybe get a little snack, watch a little TV. Then well, I can. Tom, I like, I like this new format. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good audience participation. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And here's my new shack. Nice. Yeah. I don't remember seeing that when I was you, there. You don't remember seeing that one? Well, watch no. it. Watch, look. Oh, look at that! He brought this thing up. I was standing behind him in front of the green screen, and I'm going, "Wow, look at that!" <laughs> yeah, I see. Oh, wait a minute! I'm not on here. Where am I? Where am I? I'm disappeared. That's your bench. There I am. There I am. No, that's my that's my operating. Oh. That's hey, Tom, my... I got a suggestion for you. Being you have the snow sneeze in the in the back of your shack from time to time, do you have one season? Um, you know, I used to have I used to have one. In fact, in fact, uh, when the weather is so severe, sometimes I'll stand up here and I'll do a weather report. You know. <laughs> Did you ever see the weather rock? It, it was outside of one of the uh, National Weather Bureaus that I saw. I saw. Area. I saw that and somewhere. It fine. Oh it's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If rock is wet. It's raining. If rock is dry, it's sunny. If rock is moving, earthquake. If rock is Sweet. white, it's snowing. And if rock is gone, tornado. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or if it's moving, winds blowing. Uh, I've seen that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. All right. Okay, guys. Well, we're gonna sign off from Studio A here. We're gonna sign off, guys. Night. And say good night. Hey, Brian, my regards to Amy. I sure will. Guys, Dave, we'll... I'd like to exchange more balloon stories with you sometime. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Seventy-three. Seventy-three. Right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Seventy-three. Good night.